We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Welcome to episode 132 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer book club podcast where Captain is King, Marissa is Queen, and I am your host, Bethany Finger. This episode is brought to you by Ramping Crew patron supporters. Thank you. Welcome, Christine and Alex from Mother Daughter Book Talk Podcast. Hi! Hi. Ladies, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves and your podcast and maybe how you found Marissa Meyer's books. Okay, so um, I'm Alexis, sorry, and this is my mom, Christine. Hi! We are a mother-daughter book duo, and for as long as I can remember, we both love to read, and that's kind of led to us always talking about books together. Like, I have a very specific memory of, like, when I was very, very little, my mom reading books to us all the time, and we would just start talking about them, and it was just amazing. And so then we kind of realized, like, there are so many bookish people out there. Why don't we just, like, share our thoughts with the world? Because my dad has constantly been saying, you should create, like, a bookish uh, podcast or, like, blog or something. And so we finally kind of, like, okay, we'll do that then. And we decided to record our first episode. Yeah. Yeah. And then for finding Marissa Meyer books, I actually had a teacher recommend Cinder as a book to read for like, we had to do a project on a choice reading novel. And so my teacher recommended Cinder to our entire class. I thought it sounded really, really cool. I read it and I fell in love with it. And I finished the rest of the series within a few days, I think maybe about a week. And then ever since then, I've been obsessed and I've read every single other book except for Gilded because I haven't had the time yet. (laughs) it's next on our list yeah um how about you how'd you find well it had been on my list because again I tend to follow like the recommendations on goodreads and you know best of kind of lists and always add them to my to be read list and then Alexis had said well I'm gonna be reading this and then she started and she's like mom you have to read this and so I did and mm-hmm. it's, you know, been on our favorite list for a long time. And so when we started our podcast, you know, we were absolutely like, we have to review the Lunar Chronicles because, again, we we just love it so much. And mm-hmm. Alexis, it was definitely on your to be read again list during uh, the whole COVID, mm-hmm. you know, stay at home kind of thing. So it's one of those things where it's, it makes you feel good and, you know, you can revisit the characters. And I think we we both love the characters. So it's easy to fall back into reading again and again. So, yeah. Now, Alexis, am I correct that you've written a book as well? Yes, I have. Do you want to take a moment and tell people about your book and maybe where they can find it if they want to go read it? Of course. Um, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> so... Over the pandemic, I kind of was doing a lot of writing prompts because I love to write. I've always loved to write because it kind of goes hand in hand with reading. And I always realized that part of my thing is I love making big, shocking twists. And so I thought of my own writing prompt, what if X, Y, Z, but then 
this other big thing. And so that kind of brought an idea that I fell in love with and I showed to my dad and I was like, hey, is this a good idea? And he said yes. And so we kind of became our pet project because I didn't know if I myself could do it, but I didn't want it to become a forgotten idea because I've always kind of gotten super into ideas and then fell away from them. And so I didn't want this idea to go away. And so for the next six months, I would say, we spent our time writing chapter by chapter till we got our first draft, we edited it and we got it published. And so now I have the book, The Other Sister by Alexis Dellinger and Chad Dellinger. And it is available on Amazon. And it basically is about this teenage girl, Beatrice, and she has had a lot of struggles in her life. And she's in the shadow of her twin sister, Angela, who seems to have this perfect life. And that's why she's seen as the other sister. And she has a lot of really big challenges that she has to pick and make decisions through that can change her life forever. And that's all I can say without spoiling because it's really good. But as long as I spoil it, it sounds... If I don't spoil it, it sounds kind of boring, but I don't want to spoil it because spoilers are... Right. And then yeah. I wanted to ask, did you self-publish or did you go through a publisher? We we self-published because, I mean, the whole point of this was just to have something to write together and to finally get to express myself creatively. And we thought as long as we get it out there, we would have our own thing that isn't really... Because a lot of issues I find with publishers, it takes a lot of extra time and you get mm-hmm. these other people's thoughts and opinions. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but we wanted this to be like our thing. Yeah. No, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now with my book. So I totally get it. Um, I do have lots and lots of young listeners and Patreon members who are writers and aspiring authors. And I know you're quite young in age too. So do you have any advice for them with writing or self-publishing or anything like that? Honestly, my biggest thing is if you find an idea you're passionate about, go with it. Write whatever you can. Do whatever makes you happy because it's often those ideas that you think, oh, this would be good, but I can't do it that often end up being, oh, I wish I could have done something with that. And so even if it takes like I did, I had to find a partner to help me do whatever it takes and not let those ideas and opportunities pass away. And you got to just take that moment to be creative and do what makes you happy. Do you think you'll write more in the future? I hope so. I've been working on a potential second book for a while, completely on my own, because I want to try to do something myself. So it's taking much, much longer. Mm -hmm. And I find it much more difficult. But I'm trying my best. And we'll see if that takes me anywhere. I from a personal writing perspective, I do recommend a critique partner if you can find one. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a pretty big game changer for me in terms of writing is having someone that you can um, bounce ideas off of and share tips and and writing techniques and really learn about the craft from one another. Um, So if possible, I I recommend looking into that. I I tell a lot of people that when they ask like, well, what advice do you have for writers? And I I think a lot of the advice is the same of like, just write, just get it out there. But I do think like in terms of what's like productive on a technical scale, I think having a cheek partner, having beta readers, like those kinds of things are really important Mm -hmm. so you can get um, feedback. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I tend to like, I tend to still bounce my ideas off my dad and still like talk to him about that. But the really big thing is I wanted to try to do something because 
my biggest reason why I went to him instead of doing it myself last time is because I'm really good at coming up with ideas, but I find it really difficult to stretch them out into long stories. And so I knew he could help with that because he's good at stretching out things into long stories, given the fact that he also has written and published his own book. And so that partnership is kind of what that was born out of. And I, this time, wanted to take a chance to kind of push myself and see if I could do this. And it's more of like a reason to prove it to myself that I can stretch out ideas and I can make something by myself into a good story. Yeah. I think for myself, (laughs) mine always seem to get more stretched out. They get longer with every draft. Like every draft I go back and I'm like, you know what? I can add so much to this scene. And then it, you know, like my first draft was 60,000 words and I'm at a point now where I had to make it into a duology because it was so long. I mean, just more amazing book to read for us. Yeah. I I mean, I hope so. I have no idea if it's any good. My critique partner says nice things to me, but she likes me. So, Um. (laughs) so A couple episodes ago, we got a question of if we could start saying what we're happy about, like what Marissa does on her podcast. So Mm -hmm. this week, what I am happy about, actually, it's just for today. We have to go to an ugly sweater party for my husband's work. (laughs) And he thought it would be adorable, which it is, if we wore matching ugly sweaters. And he picked friends ones like from the TV show, which is my favorite. So I'm very happy about that because that's that's like marriage goals. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So what is something uh, right now that's making you guys happy? Well, I am very, very happy to be here talking about one of my favorite books with one of my favorite people on one of my favorite podcasts. And if I do something else, I would say I'm very happy about the fact that tomorrow it is my dog Joey's birthday. And yes, he is named after Joey Tribbiani. I love that. My birthday is next week, so we're almost birthday buddies. Oh, happy early birthday. Thank you. I will say I'm happy that I have 99.5% of my Christmas cards done as of yes. today. Yes. So that is so many. <laughs> yes. I have two more addresses that I was missing come in today. So they've got to get out there and I've got like one or two more missing, but you know. Things they I, don't tell you as an adult. Like, <laughs> no, exactly. They don't prepare you for the amount of Christmas cards you have to send out every year. My husband and I, um, we're not huge on Christmas. We celebrate it because our families celebrate it, but we love New Year's. New Year's is big in my culture and it's something he and I have always enjoyed celebrating together, like new beginnings and things like yes. that. So we have our we have our dinner, we have our teaching, which is a old, old, old Romanian tradition. And then we send out New Year's cards. So I have a couple more weeks to put it off, but <laughs> that is definitely something from adulthood that like nobody prepares you for. I've always grown up knowing that Christmas card time is stressful time because I can see my mom so stressed (laughs) out with all these cards around her. And I'm always like, mom, are you okay? I also adore sending out thank you cards. Like, I don't think people send those out anymore. So I will send a thank you card for almost anything, which means everybody gets thank you cards for like Christmas and my birthday, which happen to be right next to each other. That's awesome. (sighs) And then I'll, I'll probably... I think we're doing um, our meeting this year, our teaching meeting. I think we're doing it virtually. 
because, you know, everybody lives really far away. And then there's the whole thing about COVID and that kind of stuff. So we're probably going to do our um, pre-dad virtually, but I'm really excited for it. Um, Oh, God, most people probably don't know what that is, right? So uh, pre-dad is Romanian for teaching. And what it is, is it's a tradition where, um, what's the best way to, oh, it's kind of like Thanksgiving. At Thanksgiving, you guys go around the table and you say like what you're thankful for, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So this is a celebration with food, but instead of saying what you're thankful for, you go around the table and you say, you tell everybody something that you learned that year, and then you share that and teach it to them. So um, a couple years ago, for example, it was my sister, Samantha, it was her first time voting. So what she did was she like went crazy learning about politics and, and the voting process. And um, so when it was time for her to share what she learned that year, she told, she told us everything she learned about the electoral college and how that works. That's so fun. I love that. Yeah, It's one of my favorite, favorite traditions in the world. Um, and I don't think we do it enough. Uh, my husband and I live together. So we're constantly like, I learned this today. Um, but it's always nice to see it from other people. Mm-hmm. that's just such a fun tradition because it's like everyone like expects like the thankful but like getting to learn something new part of the my favorite thing is getting to teach that to someone else so like mm-hmm. every time I have like a big test coming up for either math or science because they're my two subjects I struggle with most I will go downstairs and teach it all to my mother because like I, I need to have that moment of teaching so I know I can ch- tell myself that I do understand it and I get to share it with my mom and it it's great. Although I will admit that when she's teaching me, it is kind of like the peanuts teacher where I hear womp, 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 womp. <laughs> but it's great. Well, I, I, I it's, enjoy it's that. It's an old tradition. And I mean, like I said, it's not as common anymore. I, I don't think it's practiced as commonly anymore. But um, it's just one I've always loved because you never know what somebody what somebody learned and sometimes it's like oh that's so cool and sometimes it's like I didn't need to know that but um it's just always something fun even people you talk to on a daily basis you don't always know what they're up to exactly. you know um or what their hobbies are so yeah I think it's a, a fun tradition so I think everyone should do it for New Year's but that's just me <laughs> yeah I was just going to say, I think we need to look into that. Along with our puzzle competitions. Yes. We tend to do puzzle competitions on New Year's in our family. That sounds like fun. Because we're nerds. We we get a bunch of puzzles. We separate into teams. My mom and I are always on a team because we're amazing together. And then my dad and my brother are on another team. And whoever completes the puzzle first is a winner. And we always win. Yes. I love that. Yeah, I think it's always fun to hear what other people's like traditions are. Um, for example, my husband is already on a tangent, but my husband and I are spending Christmas with his family this year. We've been together 12 years. We've spent Christmases together before. Mm-hmm. We celebrate Christmas on my dad's side. I'm sorry, on my adopted dad's side, because I come from a very blended family. <laughs> and what happens is there's four kids growing up. So Christmas was like a free for all. Everybody just opened their presents. My husband's parents only had two kids. So everybody like stares at you while you're opening your presents. 
which I'm not used to. Like literally you go, everybody opens one present at a time and they all stare at you while you open your present. And you kind of have to be like on, like you need to have the perfect reaction when you open it. And it's kind of terrifying for me because I always worry that my reaction isn't like up to par. I'm giving my mother a look right now because that's exactly what we do. Despite it's so know, stressful. How do you it guys is. handle it? It's so stressful. <laughs> you don't like one. You don't. It want stresses to- me out so much. <laughs> you don't seem like you're like. Oh, I got a better present than you, but you also don't want to seem like. Oh, I don't like it. So you got to find that perfect balance between the two. And like, I have three other siblings that like have to like watch me opening a present, including a little toddler who thinks every present is for her and so when she sees me getting a present it's like how come I don't get a present and she has to wait her turn it's just like it's so stressful because you don't get those perfect reactions it's like the opposite for me growing up there I was the second oldest and there were four of us and I learned Santa Claus wasn't real when I was like six (laughs) so Mm -hmm. it wasn't really a big deal so by the time my sisters were born it was like okay There's too many of you. Everybody just open your presents. And the little ones get excited and make a bunch of noise. So when you're five and seven and eight years older than your younger siblings, I mean, you can just open your stuff. Nobody even notices you anymore. You can just like eat the candy out of your stocking, open your books, because that's what I always got for Christmas, Mm -hmm. and just chill. I will say, though, I thought you said there's no spoilers, and you just (laughs) spoiled something about Santa Claus and his... (laughs) existence oh i'm very sorry i can't believe it i thought he was real i will say in our family i've always because my kids go from my oldest is 21 and my youngest is five so that's such a big gap huge age gap and alexis falls in the middle here but what we've always done and there's a five-year age gap between alexis and her older sister um, we've always done the spirit of oh. Christmas and Santa. Santa represents the spirit of giving. And so when I kinda like that rather yeah, than rather ex- than um misleading. Absolutely well, <laughs> our our oldest was terrified of the guy in red. Terrified. Oh, well, I wasn't afraid of Santa, but I was terrified of the tooth fairy. She was claustrophobic. <laughs> That's actually that hilarious. hilarious. That was funny. No, I was terrified of the tooth fairy because in in my defense, and I'm sorry, Alexis, the tooth fairy is not real either. In my defense, <laughs> the tooth fairy is a tiny fairy who shows up in your house when you're sleeping, attacks you in your bed, and steals misgu like discarded body parts. Yes. And I don't understand why we have that for children. My mom never did the tooth fairy for us. We didn't do the tooth fairy. She did the elf on the shelf, except for um I believed it for a little while until my dad says, Alexis, you want to help me move the elf on the shelf? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sure. And so <laughs> that's been sticking around. My brother finally aged up and he kind of wised up for it. And now we have it for my little sister. And it's always my favorite thing just to think of the ways to surprise her with it. And so, yeah. Well, and in my family too, like I said, there was four of us, but there also wasn't a lot of presents. My parents did um, what we called the four things. So you got um, something you want, something you need, something to wear and something to read. 
We do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got those four things and then what was that, whatever was in your stocking. So there wasn't like a lot to go through in terms of like mm-hmm. gifts, you know? Um, yeah. And me, I always got a book as my something I wanted. So I usually just ended up like with multiple books and just sitting there and I would start to read right away. Um, yeah. But like my husband's family, they just kind of like a free for all of whatever, <laughs> whatever they bought you. That's what you get. And so, yeah, it just feels like it takes forever to open all the presents. Yeah. I will say like for me growing up, my mom was one of six. My dad was one of seven. Mm. So we initially had where we were, my siblings and I, there's three of us in our family. We were the oldest kids for the longest time. And like now we have over 20 cousins, I want to say. Oh, gosh. 30 first cousins. And so we moved away from having lots of gifts to having a grab bag, which means we got like one or two gifts per family, you know, kind of thing. So it was it was one of those things that we adjusted to. But being the oldest, we got spoiled a little bit. And it was like that free for all. And that's why I'm more structured because... I've been in the chaos where it's like a hundred people in the room and everybody's trying to open their gifts and gifts are getting lost and nobody knows who gave what. And yes. (laughs) And you know, my mom came from, gosh, how many siblings did she have? Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. eight. And then my, my adopted father came from four and my biological father was just, it was just him. So Wow. And then my bonus mom, it was just her and her brother. And then my mom, I have so many parents, you guys. My mom just got remarried and he has four daughters and she has four daughters. So they're like an awkward Brady Bunch situation. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, if we were all in the same area, we would we would need a very large park. Well, I'll say when Alexis's dad and I got married because I was married before. And then so my oldest is from my previous marriage. Um, But when we got married, I was like, okay, well, we're going to host my dad's side of the family for Christmas. And he was like, okay. And he's like, well, why not just the whole family? And I'm like, you don't want that. And so the minute like it's filled in, I'm like, but don't worry. I, a few of my aunts and uncles can't come and their kids aren't coming. So, you know, it's not going to be the entire family. And he has one sister and like they never spent any time together. So when my my dad's family showed up, he's like, wait, how many people did you invite? I was like, well, <laughs> you know, a lot, but it's only going to be about 50 and so that was he, more people than were at my wedding. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, you know, terror struck. He's like, oh, okay. And I was like, now do you see why I only invited my dad's side of the family? He's like, thank God for that. <laughs> um, for those of you who are confused listening to this, I am going out of town for Christmas. So I am recording a bunch of episodes in the same week. So if you're wondering why in the middle of January, you're listening to everybody talk about Christmas, it's because today is uh, December 7th. So Christmas hasn't actually happened yet. Surprise! (laughs) So you guys are living in the future for us. (laughs) Yeah, we're celebrating the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Yes, we are today. December 7th. Yes. The year has gone by quite fast. Yeah. Like, 
Well, actually, the last three years of my life have just gone by really fast. Um, I, uh, as most of my listeners know, I did my bachelor's degree and my master's degree and my licensure and my certification in the last three years. And as of Thursday, I graduate and I'm officially done. (laughs) Thank you. So this like last three, three and a half years, especially with working and doing the podcast, it's like, where has the time gone? And with my birthday coming up, my Ruthie, my birthday Twinkie, she was like, she was talking about how she's actually younger than me, but we have the same birthday. And so she was talking about it. And I was like, oh God, am I 32? How did that happen? I still feel like I'm in my 20s and I don't have my life together yet. And it feels a little worse to be in your 30s and not having everything together. <laughs> I will admit I'm in my 40s and I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So yeah, <laughs> my, mom, my mom tells me that my mom's my mom had me as a teenager. So she's quite oh. young. She's she's barely in her 50s. But she tells me that all the time. I'm like, I just feel like I don't have anything together. And she's like, I don't have anything together. And I raised four of you. It's fine. Yeah, it's like it's like that line from Friends: "A plan? I don't even have a plan." Exactly, that is how I feel about my whole life. Absolutely, I think the secret is everyone feels like that. That's and that's okay because that means I'm in good company. That's Mm -hmm. right. I don't have a plan, Phoebe. What? Do you have a plan? I don't even have a plan. So let's talk about some really cool fan art that we got. This was, oh my gosh, I missed things already. Okay, what are you currently reading? You guys, see, when we were talking about not having anything together, I don't have this together either. I mean, (laughs) we're having so much fun talking that we we tend to get sidetracked, so we're sidetracking you. It's been a long time since people have had a tangent episode. Maybe they missed them. Maybe, hopefully. (laughs) So we both yesterday finished reading the newest installment and last installment in the Shatter Me series, Believe Me, which we recorded our episode on that yesterday, and it should be going up next week. And we're about to move on to reading Gilded for our next Yay. episode. Yay! Woo! If you guessed for Gilded, I know somebody. I'm so, I'm so excited. Gilded was amazing. I actually got to read it early because Marissa was nice enough to send me a copy. That's so amazing. She sent me an e-copy. Uh, not as amazing as the fact that I'm in Gilded. Like, that's just, like, I've done my whole life goal right there. What? Yeah, she put me on her acknowledgments page. <gasps> you didn't know that? I posted it, like, crazy that? on Instagram. Yeah, I haven't even cracked <laughs> the book open yet. So. All yeah. I've seen is the little, I have a signed copy of Gilded because we went to the uh, virtual event. Oh. And so that's all I've looked towards. I've seen that and that alone. Yep, if you go to the acknowledgments page, me and my podcast are on there. Congrats. I was like shocked by it. I emailed her. I was like, what is this? I highly encourage you guys to read it as fast as possible and then message me and let me know what you thought. Sounds I great. am. And if you do want to guest, I will I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> <laughs> I volunteer as tribute. I do. Yeah, we'll have to definitely reach out to you and, and see if it'll work out. Yeah. So that would be awesome. Yes. Especially especially since, you know, you are acknowledged. So yeah. I know. So I feel I feel very official now. It's like I'm like definitely a solidified podcast at this point. That is awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> that is so cool. So, <laughs> so I 
Listeners will be very happy to know I am finally reading Akatar. Yay! <laughs> I'm only 17 pages in. I literally just started it. I took a hot bath and I sat there and read the first like three chapters. So, uh, but it's very good so far. I will say I'm not big on Faye. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. only say I've read is Cruel Prince. And as much mm-hmm. as I loved Cruel Prince, I think it's probably better on a reread because there was a lot of rules for me to keep track of. I had a little notebook where I kept writing rules down because I would forget them and get confused. So I'm hoping this one doesn't have as many rules or I'm going to have to get a notebook. I will say I didn't originally want to read the Aquatar series because I didn't think I was a big fan of those like high fantasy novels with all the fae and fairies and magic and whatnot. But I was doing a book trade-off with my friend who I wanted her to read the Renegades trilogy by Marissa Meyer. And so she wanted me to read this series, the Aquatar series. And so we traded it off. And as confused as I was, I ended up really, really loving it. That's um how my husband read the Lunar Chronicles. He was like, if you watch an anime that I like, I'll read a book that you like. And I said, okay. So I watched um, My Hero Academia with him, which I love. Love um, it. Yes. Love. Best show ever. Hiroki's um, my favorite. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to say that Todoroki's my favorite. Oh, I love that. I yep. can never remember their names, but Fire and Ice is my favorite. I have like that's a slight- the guy. That's Todoroki. Yeah. yeah. I have He's- a slight crush on him. Yes. Patreon favorite Shan Lightyear, who you might know as a pretty famous Instagram fan artist. We we uh have wars sometimes because she likes Angry Boy and he kind of drives me absolutely bonkers. Bakugo. Bakugo. Yeah. <laughs> he drives me nuts. <laughs> he stresses me you. out. <laughs> I'd agree. But I also, spoilers if you haven't watched My Hero, I kind of want him to fall in love with Invisible Girl because she's like super hyper and high energy. And I just think it'd be like a fun mix for those two. <laughs> Interesting. Him. With the Akatar series, Akotar, Akatar, whatever. Yeah. I've been avoiding it because it's long and sometimes I don't have time for series, but I'm done with school now and I'm just desperately looking go. for a job instead. So. Um, someone did say it was kind of like a Beauty and the Beast retelling, but then someone else was like, nah. So I, I, could, I, could, I could see it. It's not as like out in the open, like this is Beauty and the Beast, same way um, Lunar Chronicles are, this is XYZ fairy tale. Mm-hmm. But I could see a lot of elements of that. I'd agree. I, I mean, it's not, yeah, it's not in your face. Mm-hmm. So had you not put that out there you could do- totally read it and not make that connection but looking back yeah you, you, it's like alexa said you could be like yeah i could see that you know so yeah because when i was first reading it i was texting my friend all of my thoughts and feelings about it because that's like the reason we traded off to have someone to live vicariously through as they read the series because we couldn't read it for the first time again and so I was telling her, oh my gosh, this scene right here is exactly like this scene from Beauty and the Beast. And she was like, yeah, it's supposed to be a Beauty and the Beast retelling. And I was like, really? (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's kind of how I felt about um, Bridget Jones's diary. I didn't realize it was a retelling until I think it was halfway through the second one. 
Um, my mom and I were talking and she mentioned something about she loved the movies, but the books weren't as funny as the movies. And I was like, well, I haven't watched the movies yet, but I've read the books. And she's like, I mean, you've read Pride and Prejudice, so you've read the books. And I'm like, what? And she's like, it's a modern day Pride and Prejudice. Isn't that obvious? And I was like, no, no, it's not obvious. She's like, his name is Darcy Bethany. I didn't pick it up when I first watched the movies and I haven't read the books, but I didn't pick it up when I watched the movies. So I would skip the last book because it ruins my life and it makes me want to not like the author at all. But I will say after reading them, I kind of agree with my mom. The movies are better because just because when it comes to physical comedy, I think that translates better on screen unless you have really good descriptions and a mm-hmm. diary kind of limits what kind of descriptions you can give. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Plus, the third movie was amazing. I cried like 10 times watching it. I'm still trying to get Alexis to read Pride and Prejudice. So. It's on my list. So good. Okay. I don't Have you read Pride and Premeditation? No. It was amazing. They're, she's making a whole bunch of them. And the next one is called Sense and Second Degree Murder. And it comes out in April. And I tried to get a NetGalley copy, and I was denied. Oh. Which broke my heart in half. I am adding that my list is long, but, you know, that's going up. It's a it's a retelling as a murder mystery, and it's fantastic. I love every second of it. That's awesome. That's on my list. Yay! I'll add them both <laughs> to my list. But my list is so long, and we're reading a book a week. Do you want to be encouraged to read a book? Um, Marissa Meyer has said repeatedly that Pride and Prejudice is her favorite book. It is the only book she rereads, and that is it is her happy place. Oh, no! I really so Marissa wants you to read it. Our queen yes. wants you to read it. If the queen demands it, I shall obey. <laughs> <laughs> Been on my list for a while. Now we can finally talk about fan art. Now that I know how to do my own podcast normally i would cut that out but you know what just to make everyone happy i'm gonna leave that in you guys can see how much of a mess i am so (laughs) this fan art it was sent to me by Ico Ico's evil twin on tumblr but the artist uh is actually on deviant art as m-e-y-g-i and it's like a little gif and it's the scene that we're about to talk about in these two chapters in chapter 28 it's Jason and Winter's first kiss and I absolutely love it even if you couldn't see the gif of it I would love it but you can see um in the gif you can see blood and you can see the blood on the ground seeping into her beautiful dress um and you can see some you can slightly see something behind her but we can't I don't think it's a good representation of the wolf it just looks like a giant patch of fur and it's too big but I get what they were going for I think it's it's really beautiful overall. Oh, yeah. I didn't even realize it was a GIF, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I love it. And then I saw the GIF, and I was like, oh, it's so cool. Yes. I mean, even without the GIF concept, I think it's beautiful. Right. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, the blood just seeping in from behind, I think, is fantastic. And, you know, at first glance, you're like, yes, that's cool. And then you see what's actually happening and understanding the scene from the book and how perfectly that ties in, I thought was fantastic. I will say also, I kind of like Jason's hair, but if I'm being honest, 
Jason should have ridiculously nice hair because he's in uniform. And I often see him having like shaggy, messy hair. And maybe because my husband's in the military and I know like rules are like very strictly enforced, but like he's in uniform. He would have his hair like slicked back and in his tiny little ponytail. It wouldn't be like all scraggly. Yeah, I agree. I I don't know. I just think it it looks really good all together in this scene. So Oh yeah. And the hair is like it's almost white. I know. The blackness is almost white and I kinda love that. Yeah. Well and that's how she kind of uh describes him in the chapters right Mm -hmm. is that he almost fits in the menagerie because he's so fair right it's not like a dirty blonde it's like a platinum blonde yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah i love that picture yeah it's absolutely beautiful so big thank you for letting me share that and a thank you to Ico's evil twin for sending it to me she sent it to me like four months ago but it took me a long time to figure out how to contact the artist and get permission to share it so thank you to both of them (laughs) this next one is by his on tumblr and i've shared their work before this is actually from several chapters ago it's from when she was first It's from when Scarlet was first captured and she's in the menagerie and she has a dream about Wolf and her grandmother. But it was like one of the few fan arts I found of Scarlet when she was in the menagerie. So I really wanted to share it during her last, uh, her last night of suffering. Um, And I love the amount of detail that's in this. I love Mm -hmm. that we see the wolf. I love that we see the bird. I love that we see her like laying under her, under the bars of her cage looking like crestfallen and terrified. I love that she's missing a finger. Yeah. They chopped her finger off. Yeah. And I love that it's a zip up hoodie because in the books it's a zip up hoodie, but I often see people having it as a pullover hoodie. So I just appreciate that. I mean, all I will say is pullover hoodies are undeniably better. <laughs> oh yeah, they are they're a thousand times better. And you can buy both of them on the Prince Kai Fan Pod merch site if you want to. <laughs> I have both. But in this in the books it is specified that it's a zip up. So I like when when that's included in the fan art. Yeah. I always love those attention to details because it always makes you see like each time you look at it, you're like, oh my gosh, that's a little detail from this XYZ point. I use that phrase way too much, but like still. It's like, yeah, absolutely. It makes you so happy just to look at the thing and realize something new. Like, oh, this detail's from here. This is so cool. It makes you feel almost like a spy. You get to see these little things that you didn't see before. It's kind of what it feels like to be a Taylor Swift fan is just constantly hunting for Easter eggs and finding them and then talking about them with other people for hours. I think that's what it's like to be a book fan. <laughs> same <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just really love this artwork and I'm I'm really excited that I got it because I as I've said before while I love the kind of headshots we get uh fan art wise where you can you know see their face and see their facial features of specific characters I also really love when we get cinematic points where it's like this is what happened um so it's not mm-hmm. just Scarlet's head we're seeing Scarlet her whole shape her whole body and we're seeing her within the confinement of her cell and honestly this Hizomi if you're listening I've shared your artwork before so maybe you are listening feel free to make a graphic novel of all of the Lunar Chronicles I will buy it I will promote I, it I, I will buy I, it and promote it I will send it to Marissa okay knock yourself out I would absolutely love it I would buy it 8000 times cuz that sounds like the coolest Oh yeah 
What's yeah. that? Um, what's that saying? I would I would get a credit card so fast. Yeah. <laughs> so big thank you to both of those artists. And remember, you can check out the artwork on our Instagram, our Facebook, and PrinceKaiFanPod.com. We are recording this super early. So Patreon members have not gotten a chance to vote on anything yet because uh, none of the episodes have come out yet. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is chapter 25 and chapter 26, I will insert a clip from future Bethany with the chapter titles. Ooh. Hey listeners. So as promised, chapter 24 is Mama, I'm Coming Home by Ozzy Osbourne. And chapter 25 is Look What You Made Me Do by Taylor Swift. Yeah, so welcome back from the clip. <laughs> Talk about chapter 27. Last week we left off with the queen, the evil, wicked queen, Lavana, ordering Jason to kill Winter. Jason tells Cress he has a plan to save them, but Cress has to stay behind. And Jason vows to protect her, which is a very sweet moment. Mm-hmm. This work, we're in Scarlet's perspective, and she gets to meet Jason. But first, these lunars are the worst. Horrible. They're the worst. She's sitting in her cell at the menagerie. This lunar guy and lunar girl, I'm, I'm assuming they're genders. I don't know what they really have preferences for. But they're in there, and they are just awful. They're horrible. They're yelling at her to dance. They're saying she's supposed to be cute and amusing. For some reason, they have an umbrella, even though it never rains. And they're they're quite literally treating her like an animal in a cage. I wanted to say on that umbrella note, so I like when things are pointed out, I like to do some research to see if like maybe there's something behind it. And so when it specifically said owl umbrella or owl feathered umbrella, I was like, ooh. That's interesting. I never really hear of like owl feathers being used in anything, any books or whatever I've read. So I started like looking it up and I found that owl feathers tend to symbolize wisdom, the ability to see things normally. And because they are specialized feathers that enable the owl to have near silent flying and altering the air turbulence and absorbing noise, they're tied to the spiritual symbolism of death, which brings new beginnings and higher understanding of this evolved perspective. And so all of that coming together for these two chapters specifically with winter's quote unquote death coming up and these new beginnings, it kind of really ties in. And the ability to see things normally with lunars, that's always like a big theme because you're always trying to see what's glamoured and what's not and then also like owls being nocturnal creatures that are very heavily associated with the moon is something that also could be why marissa meyer chose to use owls specifically and those are just all the things i could find on owls and why it could be owl feathers if you haven't picked a career in your life yet i highly recommend librarian because that kind of research is exactly what we are trained to do that's our whole job for the most part so <laughs> but I love that you put in that much effort. I really, I barely even noticed the word owl feathers. I was just like, you know, excited that Scarlet got them back. Um, but what it does make me wonder is how did they get owl feathers? Yes, I have that same note. I was like, how? Because also I found that collecting owl feathers can cost a really hefty fine. Like, you could be fined up to $15,000 for collecting owl feathers. And most other birds' feathers. 
Yeah, and I'm I'm trying to figure out how they would. I guess I don't know how they have any of these animals on the moon. Okay, but I assume they brought them here hundreds of years ago, and they've just, you know, bred them over time, like any other creature. You know, like we never used to have cows in the United States, but now there's cows mm-hmm. here. So my other question is: Are these from owls that have come to the moon? Are they fake owl feathers or is it a glamour? I mean, and it's just like a regular trash bag umbrella. And he's like, but it looks like owl feathers. I could see it being like fake feathers and being glamoured to look like owl feathers because like, like a lot of like things are easier to glamour if you have something to build it off of. Right. So it could just be like, feathers of any sort or even like those fake feathers you can buy on the internet for like craft projects mm-hmm. right i have and, some of those yeah so i could see that um i i i i genuinely think it's more likely that it's a fake feather or it's a glamour than it's from a real owl because mm-hmm. also i'm not sure if i could look at an at a feather and be like yep that's definitely from an owl Because it could be from a hawk or an eagle or any other kind of the thousands of birds there are in the world. So I'm not sure I could look at that and be scarlet and be like, yes, that's an owl feather for sure. No, yeah, that's very true. So it could be him like altering her perception and like, I don't know, like that, like, yes, it is owl. It is owl. Yeah. But I think those lunars are over the top extra. Mm -hmm. I mean- Wearing sunglasses when it's not even sunny and, you know, I think an umbrella when there's no such thing as rain. Right. Exactly. So I think they're trying to portray like an image of Mm -hmm. something, which I I don't get what they're trying to portray. But it really reminded me of the Dursleys talking to the snake in the first Harry Potter book. Yes. Do it. uh, Make it do something. Make it move. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, make it move. Make it do a trick. Why isn't it doing anything? Yeah. And also, how do they expect her to do a dance when she's, like, in a cage that That's is- That's what I put in my notes. Small. I was like, she can't even stand up in the cage, but she's supposed to be, like, r- like, she's supposed to dance for you? Like, her legs have gone numb. She said that, like, she can't even walk anymore. Like, how does- how, how do you- Can you imagine dance? not walking or standing up? for for months at a time it's been at least i think we did the math and it's been two months jeez well i have a note here like this has to be the worst torture for someone like scarlet Mm because she's a doer she's the one that gets out there and gets the job done and you know to be stuck in a position like that for so long Mm -hmm. to not be able to help anyone to not know what's going on Mm -hmm. is the worst torture oh yeah And then on top of that, it's Scarlet of all people. But I think we also talked about in another episode that um, Scarlet's the only one that could have handled this. I think that's what we said in our episode. We were talking about who could have handled it. And we decided that no one really could other than Scarlet. Right. Yeah. Other than Scarlet, this would have... And and not that this hasn't very obviously taken a pretty big toll on Scarlet, um, but just that no one else would have been able to um, maybe not survive as the best 
word for it because she's definitely going to have some PTSD. But I just think that personality-wise, her strength of character is strong enough to to withstand this longer and harder than other characters. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Case yeah. in point, when she steals the umbrella and whacks him with it, which I love so much. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite moments in this section of chapters and i will say though scarlet i love you for this but i don't think you can say not reacting is going well at the moment because that does nope. not count as not reacting as much as we love to hit the moron wearing the un- orange sunglasses it is not not reacting to hit him <laughs> but he think- deserved it he deserved he it. did deserve it and you know every time one of our girls does something like that i always think of that fifth harmony song that's my girl i'm gonna yeah. insert that so nobody has to listen to my horrible singing that's my girl that's my girl that's my girl that's my girl love that she fights back I know that she's like okay don't react don't react just ignore them and he's like you better address your betters and she's like all right I've had enough of this ignoring them crap let's do something and she gets him with his own umbrella and I absolutely love it I love it too and And then then Jason shows up and then Jason shows up I love their conversation. Like, especially, I love when she when he calls her firework or firecracker or whatever. Firecracker, and yeah. she's like, yeah, sunshine. Oh, my gosh. So I great. have a note that says word for word, I love firework and sunshine. Yes. You know why you're still alive? She gritted her teeth and answered, somewhat begrudgingly. Because of winter. That's right, firework. Try not to forget it. It's hard to forget when I'm locked up in her cage, sunshine. And I have to say, like, I could totally, like, if it wasn't for his feelings for Winter, I could see them making a good couple. Just Mm -hmm. because, you know, their banter back and forth is very natural in my mind. And just, you know, I could see that, that chemistry between them there, but not a romantic really at this point. Cause of course he, he, he doesn't feel that way toward her, but I could see them making a, a decent couple. If it, I would if, say it's more like with Thorn and center where the banter yeah. is great, but it's more, uh, it'll, it, you know, it's a friend. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it on friendly terms, but like, I think the two of them, like y- there can only be so much power in one relationship and neither one of them would relinquish it. So if they got together, it might be like a fun fling, but that is yeah, not well, that's some what I'm that is not some long lasting stuff right there. No, but it would be fun and spicy while it was happening. <laughs> right. Like that's not some forever and ever, but that might be like a no. fun summer thing. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. I will say though, I feel like they are both a lot more similar than they realize because like, okay. They both have that, like, banter where they have their sass and their stubbornness, and both of them are currently working very hard on not reacting. Jason's been working on this his entire life, and so it's kind of making that same arc. And I feel like there's a lot of similar ways that they act and react and what they prioritize. 
And so I think they're a lot more simple than they realize. And that w- that's what makes it a really fun conversation and dynamic. I think the main difference we should notice in this particular chapter right here is their reaction to affection. Scarlet is desperate to know if he actually cares about Winter the same way that she cares about him because she cannot for the life of her tell. Even after this interaction, she cannot tell. But I don't think there's any denying how Scarlet feels about Wolf. True. Mm -hmm. And so I think that alone would be a really good um, separator between the two of them is that Jason's Jason's attempt to hide his emotions go so far that even Winter doesn't know, Mm -hmm. whereas Wolf doesn't have to doubt it. And with Jason hiding his feelings, that kind of really gets into... So I also did some research on why Ryu seems so uncertain around Jason. Like, because Scarlet says word for word, like not word for word, but something along the lines of she can't tell if Ryu looks like as if he hasn't made up his mind about Jason yet. And so I was like, so I've heard all over the place that, oh, dogs can tell the character of a person. And so... Research has actually concluded that dogs are indeed able to judge human behavior and can tell if a person's being nasty to another person. So long story short, dogs have far better instincts than people. So next time your dog refuses to take a treat from a stranger, you know you should probably be wary of them too. And so I was saying that's probably why Ryu was growling at the lunar aristocrats. And maybe because Jason spent so much time hiding his feelings and like his true intentions that even Ryu was tricked and uncertain of what to think. And that, because Scarlet is also like, She's always been around animals, so maybe she kind of, like, knows that animals are good of judge of character, because that's kind of when she starts to get very uncertain. Like, she hears Ryu saying that, and she does get kind of an uneasy feeling soon after that. I mean, I'll say from someone who has two dogs, okay, okay, maybe, Beowulf is afraid of his own shadow, so I can't judge him too much, but our oldest dog, Scamp, is, like, the most intuitive dog I've ever met in my whole life. And there have been multiple occasions when I'm very unaware that something dangerous is about to happen. And he steps in and he's like, we're not doing that, mom. And I, I, for an ex- for example, we were outside playing one time and he like went to the fence and would not stop barking. So I was like, okay. So I went to the fence to see what he was barking at. And he immediately attacked me and like prevented me from going to the fence. Mm-hmm. Like he used his tiny 40 pound body to prevent me from going to the fence. But then my husband came home and he was like, hey, dad, come look at the fence. There was a uh, a homeless man living in the woods behind our house. Oh, so Scamp was fine with letting, you know, big alpha dad go check it out. But tiny mom has to stay back, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Scamp. Yeah, the dog. Right. But there was a time when my husband was deployed one of the times he was gone. And it was like a cable repairman came to the house. And Scamp freaked out. And it was just the nastiest noise that came out of his mouth. And I told the guy, I was like, I'm really sorry. You're going to have to come back later. And he was like, uh, okay. And I ended up calling my friend Victor and I was like, yeah, so I'm going to need you at the house because the cable guy's coming by and Scamp doesn't like him. And when Victor was there, my dog was fine. I think what it is is Scamp is very sexist and he doesn't he doesn't trust men. So like if there's a man he knows and he trusts around, he's like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. But like if it's just me and him, he's like, no, mom can't handle the world. I got to take this into my own hands. 
Um, <laughs> he loves you and he cares about you. He's trying to protect yeah, you. he's a good boy. He's a good boy. But I, I gotta say, if my dog doesn't trust you, I'm pretty skeptical too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. And you guys have four dogs. Have you guys ever had any instances where your dog didn't trust a person or a situation and you kind of took their word for it? I have this, it's less like a scary situation. It's just my dog, Teddy Bear. He, we usually call him the dumb one. But I kind of realized he's got a lot of emotional intelligence. So I was home alone and I was doing a practice over FaceTime with my friend because I do competitive acting, speaking, and debate. And we were doing a, a piece for tournament. And so I was performing with my door open to hear if the puppy started barking. And I was apparently a little too loud and too emotional because it's a very sad piece. And I was doing a lot of crying for the piece. And Teddy comes upstairs and he starts like licking my face because mm-hmm. he's worried that I'm crying. And he lays down next to me to like, let me know, oh, I'm here still. And so my friend and I laugh it off. We perform again. He gets up and he kind of realizes that the phone was the thing that was making me sad. And he goes and he knocks it over and (laughs) keeps licking my face. And for all, like we tell Teddy about how dumb he is and he's a dumb, dumb. That was like a, he's pretty smart moment. Yeah. Our youngest dog, we call him dopey because sweetest dog in the world, but dumb as a box of rocks. Yep. Dogs are incredibly intuitive. Scamp is actually my seizure dog, and that wasn't intentional. He just knows when something is happening. So we told our vet about it, and she was like, yeah, you should train him. And I was like, I don't have to. Apparently, he already does it. So he's registered, and I can take him anywhere I want to, and that's awesome. He's just – he's smart. He's just so smart. You should see him around babies. He loves babies. We took our nephew when he was about a year old. We took him to the ocean. And Scamp could not stand it. Every time we let that baby go anywhere near the water, he growled at all of us and he grabbed the diaper thing and pulled him right back out. He was not happy with our behavior. He was very disappointed in us for letting the tiny human go in the water. That's like my brother because when we were going to the ocean for the very first time, my brother was very little. He was like Around two, if two. No, I don't think he, I think it was, was he older because he was talking? I don't know. Yeah, he but was two. I think he was two. He would, anytime anyone got anywhere close to the water, he would say, no, no, don't go in there. There's sharks in <laughs> no, there. He, he, be careful. He said, be careful. Be careful. Arm out, reaching out to his sisters. Be careful. Oh, I think that's so sweet. One of my favorite memories is my friend Megan, who's probably listening. So, hey, Megan, she had a baby. Okay, baby's probably like six or seven now. But that's happen- That's what happens when we get old. But she had a baby and the baby was like two months old when she brought her over for a visit. And Scamp was obsessed with her, followed her everywhere, jumped in her crib, was very upset when we did anything to make the baby cry. And there was one day when she dropped her pacifier and Scamp like picked it up with his mouth and gave it back to her. And I was like, okay, that's cute, but no. Yeah. Like that's adorable, (laughs) but also kind of nasty. So (laughs) we're not doing that. Well, I will say dogs' mouths are cleaner than humans. So when I mean, that's what people say, but (laughs) we've seen what the dogs do with their mouths. Yes. Right. So I I question that. (laughs) When you see a person pick up the pacifier, lick it, and give it to the kid. Yes, people do do that. See, I don't have kids, but. Yeah, that's why I I never. (laughs) 
I don't know if I would be the type of mom that's like, oh, no, we have to sanitize it. Or if I would be like, you know what, it's dirt, they're fine. I really I genuinely don't know. I think my mom was both. I think I think the first couple of kids, she was really nervous. And then by the fourth one, she was like, it's fine. Brush it off. See, I will say first kid, I allowed a pacifier. The other kids never had a pacifier because I did not want to go through the habit of or through the process of breaking that habit of sucking on a pacifier. Mm -hmm. So they just didn't get them. (laughs) Yeah, my sister-in-law never gave Odin, our nephew, she never gave him a pacifier. So she never had to worry about weaning him off of one. Yeah. So yeah. I thought Izzy had a pacifier. She had play like she would play with them, but she never we never used it the way it was supposed to, supposed to be used. Yeah. Right. Not used and, as like a way to soothe them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I will say I, I breastfed my kids, so I was pretty much their pacifier whenever they needed it. So <laughs> <laughs> and I could say no. <laughs> So if I can try to segue us back, we also talk about DNA in this chapter. Another biological component and element. I kind of segued that. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Jason says that Ryu, the wolf, his grandfather's DNA was used to help create the wolf soldiers. So Ryu is kind of related to her boyfriend. Yeah. Boyfriend, soulmate, alpha, whatever you want to call him. That's like boyfriend doesn't seem like a strong enough word for whatever they have. Yeah, they got their own thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> their specialness between yes. them. Yes. <laughs> Which I think is really really cool. And I I wonder if Ryu could kind of like smell family on her. Is that why and is that why he's somewhat protective of her and, you know, like invested in her because he can smell family? I don't know. It's just something that I find interesting or, you know. You know, some people are also just like gifted when it comes to animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something I share with my dad, despite the fact that I'm adopted, but something I share with my adopted father is that I've been, I've always been very good with animals. I'm intuitive when it comes to, which is why I used to work at a, a rescue shelter. Cause I, I loved being able to help all of the animals. That's how we got Beowulf. Some people are just really good with animals. I've literally never met an animal that didn't absolutely adore my dad. They had a cat once that was so traumatized that he was basically feral and he only ever came out to eat. And other than that, he would like hang out in the backyard or he would hide under their bed. But he would hang out with my dad. My dad could go in there and pet him. Nobody else. Like if you got anywhere near him, he would just burst out. But not my dad. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think it's just some people, anim- like we said, animals are so intuitive. And some people, which is interesting, right? Because Scarlet would definitely kill an animal. We saw her kill a duck when she was hungry. But maybe she just has those those animalistic instincts where they can um, where she can connect with animals so easily. And maybe it does have to do with growing up on a farm or maybe it's just her natural personality. Yeah. I think it's also her respect for, you know, the animal world. And Mm -hmm. it's not just a, you know, complete ignorance of 
you know, the natural world and, you know, part of, like you said, being on a farm and, and that sort of thing. So. And understanding like the natural order of things. And, you yeah, know, she so probably does, like you said, have a very healthy respect for animals. And that's probably why she does get along so well with him. Yeah. You are getting sleepy, very sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. Right, my darling? Yes, dear. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. You will not dislodge the hose and blast air all about the bedroom. You will not wake me, your loving husband, who yearns for even a single night of uninterrupted slumber. Please. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. Inspire treats the root cause of sleep apnea inside your body. While you sleep, Inspire keeps your airway clear so you can breathe normally and rest comfortably. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com to learn more. Inspire, sleep apnea innovation. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com. But yeah, Jason, what a way to introduce that fact yeah it was out of nowhere and i was like i love it he's like oh bt dub this wolf is related to your boyfriend somehow yeah surprise (laughs) i also love this conversation between jason and scarlet like that whole conversation could have been my my quote for this chapter but one of my favorite lines is when she says what is this a job interview Yes. yes. <laughs> to be fair, he was being so cryptic. He's super cryptic. I wrote that in my notes. I was like, Jason, spit it out already. She needs information. I know. Because, like, I mean, I get why he didn't say anything, but, like, he's got to understand, like, there is no way of her understanding what, like, is about to happen. But to his defense, I mean, he knows there's cameras everywhere. He knows he's got to be careful with what he says and who's listening. So he's stuck between a rock and a hard place here. Like, you know, he he wants to say and wants to divulge, but can't. So I don't deny that. It's just like, it's got to be like, it's so difficult, though, because like, oh, my gosh, I can't imagine this. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like, just because we understand it doesn't make it any less annoying. Right. <laughs> right. Agreed. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's just, have you ever flown a lunar ship before? <laughs> right. Why? Like, what is this, a game of never <laughs> yeah. have I ever? Yes. <laughs> and, then, I, and he really is so cryptic. And he's, you know, he's like talking to her about her wolf boyfriend and then he's like oh i was wondering what kind of a girl could make a wolf off go uh ballistic and she's like yeah well i don't buy an empty flattery either so spit it out he's like oh can you fly a ship and she's like what the hell man what do you want he's like just be ready and then he pieces out and it's like i don't know what just happened yeah and you're like dude you suck (laughs) if i was scarlet i'd be like did i just have a super weird dream yeah. <laughs> is this like a fever dream from like infection? From is it an infection? It is an infection. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> so let's um that's kind of where the chapter ends. Jason yeah. asks her a bunch of random questions and then tells her, just be ready, and then pieces out. Um so what were your chapter titles for this one? So I'll start if you would like mother. Go ahead. 
So I said that it was the song Invisible slash On the Roof from Beetlejuice because if you listen to the lyrics, first of all, I love show tunes and that's pretty much all I listen to. And so I I have plenty of listeners who would appreciate that, specifically Cassie and Drew from Of Slippers and Spindles podcast and Leah from YA Book Chat podcast, who are all Mm -hmm. um, theater experts thespians if you will so i'm sure they appreciate the show tunes the reason why i picked this one though is because like it fits very much if you listen to the lyrics and there's a lot of i i just think it's a funny song for a very energetic chapter with i i like it i think it fits well and scarlet i mean as a captive and her trying not to react she's trying to become invisible just saying She I wasn't do a good job. Nope. <laughs> My chapter title was the song Bullet with Butterfly Wings by Smashing Pumpkins. And again, uh, like one of the lyrics, it's, you know, despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. Ooh. So, you know, I thought that was very fitting because she is, she's got, she's this spitfire firecracker, like Jason says, and, mm-hmm. you know, she's still stuck and can't get out of this, you know, situation that she's in. And so I just thought that that when I'm reading this chapter, that song just naturally comes in my mm-hmm. head. You know, what's funny is when I got your notes and I saw what song you picked, that was the line that immediately came to mind. I was like, yes, that's perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had two for this one. Neither one of them are as good as the Smashing Pumpkins one, but... <laughs> I picked Dance Monkey by Tones and I because they literally try to get her to dance like a monkey. And then I picked DNA by Little Mix, one of my favorite bands, one of my favorite songs. And I love that the song is about like how the DNA of a person is so specific to that person that it just belongs to them. And that's what you're attracted to. And I think that fits perfectly for Wolf and Scarlet because I don't know how else you could explain their insta love. Mm-hmm. And then also we get the DNA mention from Jason. So I like kind of segued it together. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, sort of, maybe. But I hope everybody votes for the Smashing Pumpkins one because I think that's better. Um, <laughs> what were your quotes for this one? Mama, you want to start? Well, I will say I had picked the same one that somebody else picked Uh. (laughs) Um, but you know so I had to change mine and great minds think alike yes and so I picked then Scarlet smirked long enough to shove the umbrella out onto the path there was no point keeping it as the guards would just take it away because again like it's kind of like her you know, thumbing her nose at, you know, her situation. And she's, she got her revenge and she's like, yeah, I don't need that anymore. So (laughs) I see myself a lot. I I see myself in, in that, in that moment, I'd be reacting the same way. So for me, that, that was, no, I'm such a little baby. I'd probably, I'm honestly, I'm so anti-confrontational. I would, I wouldn't dance just out of sheer stubbornness, but I would just sit there and cry. There's no way I'd fight back. Oh yeah. I, in Immediately after they left, I would be like, oh, man, I should have done this. Like, that's how that's how I handle situations is I come up with the best solution after the fact. Same. I'm <laughs> like that. I would be I would not be I would be stubborn, too. I'm very stubborn. Yeah. My mother knows this well, <laughs> but I'm also very non-confrontational. 
So I would not be dancing, but I also would not, I would probably be shutting, like I wouldn't intentionally be doing not reacting, but I probably would be doing not reacting just because like I'd be mentally shutting down. Yeah, same. So what was your quote, Alexis? Um, This quote is always one that really sticks out to me. And I chose we animals have to stick together because it just like it, it like gives me chills sometimes because it's just like it's so good. It would be a good bookmark. It would. And you know what? She does stick with animals because she grew up on a farm and she mm-hmm. fell in love with a man slash wolf animal. Yeah. So. But it's also like the way she's been treated and like the way all of the ramping crew is kind of treated. They're all kind of from these like re rejects and it's kind of like they are being portrayed as like these fearsome wild people and creatures almost but yeah they're like a little they're band of misfits animals. they're yeah. the band of misfits and they're all seen as animals and crazy and so like i like that it's just like we misfits we animals have to stick together yeah like it yeah <laughs> so my quote was I wasn't sure what kind of girl could make a special op go ballistic for her. I'm glad to see it's not the stupid kind. I try not to pick really long quotes, but I could have added Scarlet's also not the kind that buys into empty flattery, too, because I just love that line. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just I agree. Love Scarlet's energy. Hi, I'm Michael. I'm Barbara. And I'm Lauren. We are the hosts of Badass Literature Society, a book review podcast where we take book recommendations from listeners like you, read them, and then discuss them on our show. Join us once a month as we dive into the books you picked and talk about them. And don't miss our bonus episodes covering all sorts of random bookish topics that come out in between reviews. Don't worry, if you want to read one of the books, the first part of each episode is designated spoiler-free, so you can listen and see if you'd like to read it, and then come back and listen to the rest later. You can find Badass Literature Society on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and anywhere else you like to listen. Now, back to the show. So we're same scene, but now we're in Winter's perspective. Mm-hmm. You guys, basically this scene is Jason kisses her and murders Ryu, so I'm happy but also heartbroken. Yeah. Yes. This is so, <laughs> so hard, and... I I have to say, like, as the chapter starts out, though, I love seeing Scarlet with Winter. Like, first mm-hmm. of all, her calling her crazy, just, you know, it, it can be so rude, but the way that their dynamic is, it's, it's almost like a term of endearment mm-hmm. for them. And it's whether or not Scarlet realizes it, it's like she's becoming your friend. Yeah. And you won't admit it. You won't accept it right now, but it's totally happening. And this is just proof of it to me. (laughs) I want to jump back real quick to right when Winter was entering. There was one thing that really stuck out to me because Winter was going through all the animals she was seeing as she was walking to Scarlet and she saw snow leopards, which I've always known are my mom's favorite animals. So I was like, oh my gosh, snow leopards. I've never realized that before. I got to like say this and put this out. And then... I looked up snow leopard's symbolism just for fun because, like, again, that's my thing. That's what I do. And I found 
Snow leopards symbolize courage, intuition, and creating karma. Snow leopards give you the courage to claim what you want in life, facing the wild world, knowing your self-worth. The snow leopard is a master of trusting its inner instincts and intuition. And for what's about to happen, this is perfect. Yes. Trusting your intuition, having the courage to go after what you want. Like, Winter kissing Jason is the one thing that she's wanted for so long. And so, like, she finally has the courage to do that. And that's, like, it was an oh, my gosh moment for me when I saw that. And I was like, what? And that's the kind of thing where where other authors would be like, oh, it's a coincidence. Marissa's not going to convince me this is a coincidence. Mm -hmm. You know? That's the kind of thing that, like, just doesn't – it seems too perfect to be a coincidence. But you know what? But you know what? There, as I'm sure listeners know when they listen to all the episodes I record with Marissa, there are definitely times where I point stuff like this out and she's like, yeah, that wasn't intentional. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, I think you're just a ge- Like, I think you're just a genius and you don't know it. Yeah. Or maybe she's a genius and she does know it and she's hiding it from us because she's so she's, amazing. That she's humble. She's humble. <laughs> Or it could just be because snow leopards are just really cute, which they are. And that's part of why they're my favorite animal. (laughs) (laughs) Alexis, do you have a favorite animal? I adore sea turtles and just turtles in general. I have a collection of over 21 different turtle figurines, each with their own name. And yes, there are quite a few that are named after Marissa Meyer characters. But I i don't know when it started. I just have really, really loved the turtle as an animal. It's so beautiful. It's so graceful. And it's got a lot of really good symbolism connecting to it. And it's got, like, classic stories. Like, I know it's a tortoise in the hair, but still, like, the slow and steady is something that's often applied to turtles as well. And they've got a lot of meaning. I've seen that it can really represent family and all these different things that I really, really like. And so I've always kind of felt connected to turtles. Yeah, I would say I'm definitely a fan of dogs, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I had to pick, like, a non-pet animal, I love swans. I think they're very elegant and classy, and something about them just feels very regal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I've always been a big fan of swans, which they do have in the menagerie. Yeah. That's right. Well, because turtles aren't white. So... Just, it well, has to be an albino turtle. Oh yeah, my gosh, now I want to know what an albino turtle looks like. Me too. I'm going to Google that real quick, you guys. Yeah, just same. just um, out of curiosity, albino turtle. Those yeah. are not a thing. Oh my gosh. Okay, if this is really an albino turtle, it's beautiful. Um, But it also oh looks goodness. like all of these are fake. This looks fake but like it's so pretty look at this one albino turtle found in australia beach bbc news yeah i don't know it's so pretty though like i wish it was real yeah i can't tell if it's fake or not but it does look beautiful either way (laughs) so winter comes in she talks to scarlet for like a second she feels bad because she didn't bring scarlet any food And this is one of the things that bothers me about winter. And I've talked about this in episodes before. So if you don't like this opinion, just fast forward. I don't feel like Scarlet is treated well by winter. Correct. Yeah. Because this is not how you treat your pets. Mm -hmm. She can't stand. She doesn't have a bed. You haven't given her a bath. 
you haven't given her proper clothing. My dog has a sweater because he gets cold, okay? Yeah. Uh, and you don't feed her. Right. The only defense I have for winter is I think she's doing the best she can with the queen's, like... Because we saw at the beginning that she wasn't allowed to give food to Jason. Otherwise, like, she'd cut out his tongue. And so I feel like there might be some sort of rules behind the scenes that we don't know about. But I do agree it's not good treatment. Like, the guards have to feed the animals. Or if she... She might be afraid, like, if she shows Well, she's brought food before, and she even feels guilty right now because she feels like she should have brought it this time. Right. Mm -hmm. But if she shows too much affection, would the queen do something just to spite her? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. I just know I don't know. I don't like that she's her pet, and I feel like she's mistreated as a pet. I agree, a hundred percent. If somebody is treating their pet like this, they then their pet should go to a better home, or they need to learn how to properly care for their animal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agreed. Yeah, I'm not saying you have to spoil the animals, you know, but mm-hmm. just just provide for them in the way that they need. Yes, well, and it bothered me that she referred to Scarlet even as a creature mm-hmm. when she was describing. Scarlet is being the only non-white. Yeah, she's kind of lumping her in with the other animals. Right. So that that bothered me and it yeah. made me sad. But and I'm not I don't hate on Winter. I adore Winter. I think she does her best. I think she's a wonderful character. I genuinely think this is part of how she's been conditioned to view and treat Earthens. Mhm. But it it does bother me. Which was still better than the Two lunars from the last uh, chapter, right? So even yeah, and better than when she was given to one of the families, right? But it's still like that's a very low bar, very low bar, right? Like it's like when people um have outside pets and they're like, "Well, he has a doghouse," and like low bar, guys, low bar. But it's like a hundred and five degrees outside, right? come from dogs freeze to death in the winter all the time because people yeah. don't bring them in or give them proper shelter. Right, exactly. In, in Nebraska and Illinois, it's actually illegal to leave your dog outside if it drops below 32 and they haven't been provided proper shelter because dogs will die. They'll freeze to death. And that's so sad. Like my heart And that's why one of my dogs has a sweater. The, the big one couldn't care less. He absolutely loves the cold. The colder, the better. If there's snow and ice, he is happy as a clam. Uh, right. The little one doesn't like if it gets below 60. Yeah. Below 60, he won't go anywhere without that sweater. The big one is like Teddy for us because Teddy's got so many fat <laughs> rolls that they keep him inside. <laughs> well, is very burly. He's got a thick hide and he's got lots of fur. So, I mean, he's he's got enough to keep him warm. Whereas Scamp is short, thin hair and he's so lean. It's ridiculous. He's got nothing on that. There's no meat there to keep him warm at all. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing is like our big guy, like Alexis, he's part St. Bernard. So they're made for colder. Like, he hates being here in Dallas. Yeah. He hates it because it's so hot. Well, except for the snowpocalypse. Well, the snowpocalypse last year, he absolutely <laughs> So, you know, it's just the different elements, you know, that the, the mm-hmm. dogs like. Like, the little ones, yeah, they like it when it's warm outside. They hate it when it's cold. But, you know, you, we're, our dogs are inside dogs. 
and they will yeah. always be inside dogs. And mine too. Although I'm sure Beowulf would love to be an outside dog. If I got him a doghouse, he'd probably never come in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but they would be Rosie for us. Our Rosie yeah. is our protector. She likes to look outside constantly and be at the fence just looking. And so she'd she'd be in that spot, you know, if you put a dog like a doghouse there, she'd be in heaven. <laughs> I say Rosie just tolerates us. Yeah, she just tolerates us. She's, <laughs> her whole sole purpose is defending the house. <laughs> well, for example, I have um, a cold pillow because I get hot at night and I like to have my face cold. And Beowulf, the big one, is obsessed with that cold pillow. He loves it. He will kick it to the middle of the bed so he can jump up and lay his whole body across it. Oh. Whereas the little one, is obsessed with heating pads and heated blankets. If you've got a backache and you get that heating pad out, do not leave your seat. You will not get it back. <laughs> if I pull out the heated blanket, even if it's not plugged in, he gets so excited, so excited. He's ecstatic to get under that blanket because he just, he loves to be warm. He's like a cat. You know, when there's like a patch of sun and cats just lay in it for hours, that is scamp. Yep. We 100 had, degrees outside. The concrete is so hot it hurts your hands. And he's like, this is great. Yeah, we had a whippet many, many years ago before Alexis was born. And that was how he was. Because, again, there's, like, no body fat. There's, yeah. you know, no long fur. And, yeah, any patch of sun, he'd be sitting in it. Any warm spot, he'd be sitting yep. in it. He <laughs> actually gets tan. Like, on his tummy, he'll get a tan from laying out in the sun all summer. That's awesome. And even getting in the bed, like he would spin so that the blanket would wrap around him and like completely come off of us. It would just wind up like wound around him and he'd just lay in the blanket until he'd get too hot and he'd start panting and then he'd have to get out. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, one time we had dog tangent. Yeah, <laughs> one dog time tangent. We, had, uh, we had a friend babysit the dogs and I forgot Scamp's blanket. And my husband was like, nobody cares about that blanket except for you. And the very first night she called me and I was like, hey, I just, you know, wanted to see how the dogs are doing and stuff. And um, she's like, you will not believe this. Scamp jumped on Sophie's bed, took her blanket and brought it down to his bed. So my <laughs> dog stole her daughter's blanket. Oh, <laughs> this eight year old girl did not have a blanket because my dog stole it. And I looked at my husband. I was like, oh, only I care about that stupid blanket. Yeah. He's gotten so used to having a blanket that without one, he was just like super chilly. So what he ended up doing apparently was sleeping in Sophie's bed the whole weekend because oh, Sophie was God. like, he can sleep in my room. And so he just like snuggled under the covers, super happy. Yeah. But I just thought it was so funny that he was like, well, I don't have a blanket. So I guess I'll just take this one. Yeah. This one is mine. Priorities. The child doesn't need it. I need it. Right. <laughs> That's like Rose. That's what Rose would do. She would totally do that. That's I think right. Rose would get along well with this scamp. Yes. I wonder if um, Ryu is getting a blanket because there's a note in here that Ryu is not out of. He's in his den. Winter can't see him. So maybe yeah. he was cold and he was sleeping in his stack of hay because I mean, he has a stack of hay and Scarlet has to sleep on concrete floor. Right. I would almost even believe, like, you know how the outdoor, like, zoos have, like, the heated rocks for, like, the lions and stuff and, like, yeah. heating and cooling? I would almost imagine, like, Ryu has that and, like, Scarlet's over here on her tiny little dinky cage and... Yeah. 
because they want to keep the the wolf beautiful and happy and so they can look at it and, and they also don't care. so then uh better for the dna for the soldiers potentially i don't know right but who cares about scarlet Scarlet's yeah she's cool. only there because well one she's there because winter saved her right right but the main reason that a human would be in the menagerie is because now the lunars can lord over them you know it's like exactly. the guy how you address your betters they like being the superior they they're not the superior race as far as i'm concerned but they like thinking of themselves as the superior race and what's the best way for them to do that well they haven't had humans around in decades centuries maybe even right so now we've got a human here and they can sort of be like haha i knew i was better yeah and that's like i could not imagine being in scarlet's place right now no, no. Scarlet is actually, she's not doing so well. Right. She's mm-hmm. lost a lot of weight, which, okay, Scarlet is curvy, like all, you know, and so I always picture her kind of my size, because I'm a little chunky. I got junk in the trunk and in the front. But when curvy girls lose weight, it is abundantly obvious. Right. Because you get used to seeing them a certain size, and once those clothes start to hang and lose like their elasticity, it becomes very clear that they're losing weight. And so Winter noticing that in the two months that Scarlet has been there, she's lost enough weight that her clothes are like sagging on her should make her feel guilty. I'm glad it does, but it should make her feel guilty enough that she's concerned about Scarlet's health. Mm Mm-hmm. Because losing that much weight in that little time is not healthy at all. It's also hard to lose weight. Yeah. It's hard to lose weight. And Scarlett is not doing literally any physical activity at all. She can't even stand up. And she's not getting enough food to do any kind of exercise anyway. So her entire weight loss is strictly from the fact that they haven't been giving her enough food. And... Whenever she does something naughty, they punish her by making her miss a meal or two. Which is crucial if she's losing that much weight that she gets those calories. Because I'm thinking that they're giving her like a thousand calories a day or less. Right. Like Which is I, in theory, your maintenance is your weight. So like a person who weighs 150 could eat 1500 calories a day and they wouldn't gain or lose weight in theory in theory mm-hmm. so someone scarlet size she's probably like 160 180 somewhere in there so if they drop and she works on a farm this girl is used to having lots of exercise she's used to heavy lifting she's used to high cardio she's used to running around and being on her feet for 12 hours a day so she probably eats even more than that. And she's on a farm. So she probably has delicious food all the time. And now I'm guessing they've probably got her at 1,000 calories a day. And I'm thinking she's probably lost at least 15 pounds. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say, and she's got to have a lot of muscle too. So her mm-hmm. muscle has to just be getting eaten away at this that point. That muscle has atrophied. Yes. Oh, yeah. If she tries to walk, it's going to be like jello. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I think we hear for her saying that, like, when she was saying that, like, she had to be escorted to the bathrooms in an earlier chapter because she couldn't walk anymore. Yeah, because she just, she doesn't, 
you you know you don't use it you lose it kind of thing i used to be able to do all kinds of cartwheels and flips and stuff when i was younger and weighed like 80 pounds and i haven't done that stuff in years and a lot of it has to do with like your body gets used to certain activities and certain functions and when you uh when you remove those functions you lose them right you know, they say it's like riding a bike, right? That you, you all, your body eventually remembers it. But think about like I had shoulder surgery a few years ago. So I haven't been able to use my shoulder for like two years. Wow. If I tried to do a pull-up right now, <laughs> it would not go well. But I used to be able to do several. Yeah. But your your muscles atrophy, like uh, like Alexis mm-hmm. was saying. And so you have you have this sort of strong, fierce both physically and uh, emotionally, you have this strong, fierce girl and she's withering away right before your eyes. Yeah. Wasting away. And that's horrible, horrible. And no, she's got to know it too. And that kind of torture is, is got to be really tough for her. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and like that kind of brings us back to also, again, winter not being the best of... Keepers, because she sees it's so obvious to anyone paying attention that Scarlet is wasting away mentally, physically, emotionally, and as much as the like the tiny bits of food and medicine help, like Scarlet is not okay. Oh no, they all need intensive therapy. I know Every, every book character needs therapy. I say every person, period, needs therapy. Like. Because yeah. everyone just needs that place to talk to. And so, yes, every book character needs intensive therapy, but... Oh, my gosh. But these ones, anyone that's come into contact with Lavana and her rule... Every and, Marissa Meyer character. Well, true. Yeah. Needs therapy. Mm. Definitely <laughs> needs therapy. Intensive years of therapy. <laughs> yeah. And, you know... You know, there's, um... There's sort of a... What I would say is a disconnect here with with Winter. Again, we talk about, you know, like I said, I don't want to rag on Winter. I do think she's a great character and I think she has a genuine heart. But Winter immediately goes from looking at Scarlet and seeing how bedraggled she is and thinking she should have brought her food to, I hope Jason says he loves me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like it's... um, it, I don't know, it feels very dismissive of that sort of concern you should have for another human being. And like I said, I don't, I don't want to rag on winter too much. Uh, there's just, there's a slight disconnect there that, that does bother me a little bit. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I want to say I probably in reading from her perspective, excuse more from her than I would a typical person just because not understanding how not using her gifts has truly affected her mentally. Mm-hmm. Like if she can truly comprehend like what she is doing and what she, you know, is lacking to do, you know? And so I, I, I tend to s- try to see the good in people beyond what they usually deserve Mm-hmm. So I probably, in reading this, gave her more grace just because we know she's sick mentally. So and I get that trait from you where I tend to give people too many second chances. And so I always 
if it, if not excuse people's actions, I always try to understand where they're coming from because I find those things are two very very different things. Right. Understanding why someone does something is very different from saying that what they did was okay because X Y or Z. Right. So I can understand why she may not be you know, treating Scarlett the best. And we were trying to think about maybe Lavana is keeping her from doing what we're trying to do. But it's not, it's still not an excuse for treating her the way Scarlett is being treated. Right. Agreed. And like, even if I were Winter, I would do something to try to keep people, like the aristocrats from mistreating her. Right. Like, do not, like, again, because we saw that her, people wouldn't use their gift on her, but you could do, goes even as far as like you can look at but don't talk to or something i would also say like it might be i might be influenced by the fandom you know i see a lot with the fandom that people sort of you know that people say that scarlet treats winter too harshly and doesn't respect the boundaries of her gift and doesn't give her enough leniency and while i understand that there is some truth to that um which we'll get to a lot later in the book I also feel like Winter sometimes gets a free pass. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, this is just my moment to acknowledge that I think Scarlet is, I think it's beyond mistreatment. I think obviously Scarlet's in a tough place being in the menagerie and stuff, but but I do feel like there's a disconnect with Winter there. And so I feel like while Scarlet isn't necessarily super sensitive to Winter's mental health, um, I do think that Winter is not as sensitive as she should be to Scarlet's physical health. Right. Mm-hmm. And mental Agreed. health, because this can't be a great experience for Scar. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So, moving on. Yeah. Jason and Winter meet, and Scarlet's like, um, be careful. Because Scarlet doesn't trust Jason, but she does care about Winter. So she wants Winter to be careful. And she finds... Winter finds Jason feeding the swans, um, which makes me happy. And he's feeding the swans bread. So could he not give some bread to Scarlet? I mean, Scarlet's not going to pick up grums of bread off the ground, but the thought would be there. Anyways, I'll get off that. I'll get off that horse. Yes. Somebody should have given Scarlet some food. Scarlet him giving bread right there. I mean, yeah. It's kind of a slap in the face. It is. It is totally a slap in the face. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like, if you're gonna have her do this death-defying mission... Well, let's be honest here, though. You're asking if she's gonna be able to fly a lunar ship, right? So Mm -hmm. obviously... He's got to have something like that in mind, possibly. And he's got to make sure she can actually be, like, not passing out. Exactly. Right? And, and you know, on top of that, he we found out last chapter he, he needed Cress's help to get Scarlet and Winter out. Right. So mm-hmm. we definitely know that Scarlet is a, is a key piece in his rescue attempt yeah. for Winter. What is she capable of doing? You cannot do anything when you haven't eaten. Right. You will pass out fairly quickly. And I'm not talking about you skipped a couple of meals. I'm not talking about you started a diet and you dropped a couple calories. I'm not talking about you decided to cut out sugar or carbs. I'm talking about sheer like sheer malnutrition and emaciation. You're not doing a lot. 
And any mm-hmm. kind of physical activity, even just walking can sometimes be absolutely exhausting. And yeah. you will pass out pretty frequently. Right. It's one of the signs that people tell you to look for if you're worried about a loved one. And so the level of, I don't know, the level of responsibility that Jason is putting on Scarlett's shoulders, not that Scarlett wouldn't do it and doesn't want to be free, but the level of responsibility that he's putting on her shoulders. Yeah, give the girl a piece of bread. Yeah, absolutely. Because imagine going through all this trouble for winter and then, you know, she dies in a hover crash. Because Scarlett passes out. Or worse, has a heart attack, right? I mean, you don't know the extent of her body shutting down from not eating properly and not getting enough nutrition. I mean, Mm -hmm. you could die from that situation. Yeah, People, people die every day from it. Yeah, and winter would not be able to get herself out of that situation. Mm-hmm. So no. it's especially it, since Cress is doing all of the behind the scenes work. Absolutely. Very risky on Jason's part, I think. Yeah. But Jason is only concerned about winter. And I think mm-hmm. he his concern literally doesn't go beyond get her out. Yeah. I don't yeah, think he, this is necessarily the most thought out plan. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been so cryptic with Scarlet. He would have given her some actual information. Honestly, I think he's full out panic mode at this point. Oh, for sure. I don't blame him for that because like, this is like one of the most stressful things you can think of because you always imagine how terrifying the death of a loved one is going to be, whether it's years in the future or however close or far it is. But having to imagine being the cause of that death of a loved one is terrifying and so yeah of course jason is in panic mode which is again understandable but not excusable for all of this like not even considering oversight yeah these oversights yeah i completely agree but i'm sure listeners are tired of listening to me rant about food so winter and jason basically Winter says the sweetest thing in the universe, which is that she cannot remember a time when she did not love him. And she doesn't think such a time has ever existed. Oh, Sweetest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Jason says, the queen wants me to kill you. Winter says, I'm glad it's you and not someone else. But she's sad that Lavana is making Jason kill her because that's where her sympathy goes. Mm-hmm. And then she kisses him. Mm-hmm. First kiss. I, I have to say, I thought it was a bit cruel of Winter to make that confession. Because mm-hmm. if there's even the slightest chance that he feels anything toward her romantically, to make that confession and give him that knowledge that she loves him and has always loved him and then kiss him makes it that much harder for him to know and to then follow through with what he's got to do. And she knows like he's Lavana's forcing his hand here and something even worse could possibly happen. So it's, it's a little cruel on winter's part. I think I wouldn't necessarily say it's cruel. I think it's selfish. Maybe Yeah. Mm -hmm. she wants, she doesn't want to die without him knowing that she loved him. She doesn't want to die without him, without ever having kissed him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I would also say Jason is the dumbest person in the universe. If he doesn't know that she loves him. Yeah. 
dumb, blind, stupid. Come up with whatever word you want for it. But I can't imagine he doesn't know how she feels about him. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. think he does. And he's just so panicked about it. He refuses to acknowledge it. Is he swimming in the Well, and it's forbidden, right? He's in denial. The guard and the princess can't fall in love. Winter, uh, Jason and Winter know that. Lavana has certainly made it very clear to that extent. So has Amory. Mm -hmm. It's also forbidden love. And Jason is like, well, if nobody knows I love her, then they can't use it against me. If Mm -hmm. Winter doesn't think that I'm an option, then she won't forego every other option that comes up when it's time for her to get married. So... Mm -hmm. I think that there's always been an understanding that they love each other, but they don't have the future they want together. And I think the only one who doesn't know if that love is returned, the only one who's not 100% sure is Winter. Mm-hmm. Winter is the only one who doesn't for sure know. She wants him to. She thinks he does, but she doesn't for sure know. And yes. that's got to be that's got to be hard. Mm-hmm. I... Maybe because I'm an old lady who's married, but I cannot imagine not having that kind of faith in your relationship. There's not a doubt in my mind, not a doubt for one second that my husband doesn't love me. My husband adores me. Even when we're mad at each other, even when we're annoying, he loves me. I need to know that. My relationship is never going to last if I don't know that my partner cares about me to the extent that I care about them. And so I kind of feel bad for Winter that he doesn't say it. She tells him that she loves him with every single cell that is in her body. And he kisses her and then says, you know, don't move. Yeah. Play dead. (laughs) Those three words, I love you, are the three hardest words to say. Other, I think other than I'm sorry... Those three words are like the most difficult ones to say sincerely. But I also think in that moment, he knows Winter so well that he knows he cannot respond or else she will ruin what he's set up in this moment. So if he says anything like, I love you back or you know, God, I want you or anything along those lines. She will not not be playing dead. She's not going to play dead and she's not going to leave. Right. So he needs that control over the situation. Mm -hmm. And so he knows he cannot give her what she's looking for in that situation. Yeah. Still breaks my heart though. Agreed. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And I, I do have here, like, I, I think because he knows winter so well and he knows how the trauma of the situation that he gave her a way to view what was happening and you know set it up in for her mind to see see it as a game and you know i would also say that like it just depends on the person my -hmm. husband for example i know he loves me but it's not something he says very often. It's not something that he feels he should have to say very often. And it's also one of those things that he feels like if a person loves you, you should know that even if they don't say it. You should know it within their actions. You should know it within their decisions. Yeah. Well, and it's a different love language, right? It's, yes. you know, for you, it's it's the words. For 
you know, your husband, it's the, like you said, the actions, you know, and, and that's the big part is understanding how to make that connection with your partner that makes a relationship successful or not successful is knowing, you know, what they need to, like I always say to my kids and whatever, fill their buckets and yeah. you know, to make sure that your bucket's getting filled as well. And mm-hmm. so, you know, maybe he realizes that if he gives Winter what she needs to fill her bucket, she's not going to get out of the situation alive. Yeah. And she he gets to kiss her. Yes. And she knows that he did everything he could to save her. Right. And that he sacrificed a great deal and risked a great deal to save her. So, you know, in my husband's eyes, that would be like, well, obviously he loves her. He wouldn't have done all of that, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with winter being winter, I think she's probably a words person. Oh, yeah. Well, and especially because she can't trust what she sees and what she, mm-hmm. you know, here, you know, her other senses lie to her. So she's got to get that from him verbally because she was not going to believe it otherwise. Yeah. And, you know... Back to what you were saying, Christine, earlier about Jason and Scarlett being so similar. I would also say Scarlett is probably actions. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I don't think Scarlett, like, I mean, Scarlett and Wolf are the perfect example of that. They don't need to say, I love you. That devotion is there and it's a given and they know it. Right. There's not a doubt in Scarlett's mind right now that Wolf misses her, that he's worried Mm -hmm. about her, that they need to find a way to get back together. She's not thinking, we've been separated for two months. Maybe he moved on with his life. That thought would never occur to her, not in a million years, because she knows. And that's, like, that's why, like, I love all of these relationships, because these Lunar Chronicles ships... They're all so different from one e- one another, and they're all such different people who have these different perspectives, and they understand each other in different ways, and that's why I like to reread these series, because I like to see them building up and growing and learning, and, like, that's part of why I love this so much. Agreed. Fantastic. <laughs> yes. Okay, so basically what happens is Winter Kisses, Jason... They get very close. Their bodies get super close. And Jason removes the knife. She can hear it slash. Ryu yelps. And then Jason says, do me a favor, princess. What does he say exactly? He says, do me a favor, princess. The next time someone says they want to kill you, don't just let them. Right? Is that what he says? Yes. And I'll say right now, that's my quote. (laughs) (laughs) She was disappointed. He had frozen again. Do me a favor, princess, he whispered, his breath warm against her mouth. The next time someone says they're going to kill you, don't just let them. I love and hate this scene. First of all, it's extremely poetic and it's perfect. Mm -hmm. And there's not a doubt in my mind that if the situation called for it, Ryu would sacrifice himself to protect Winter. Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. That doesn't mean I want him to get stabbed to death, though. I know. It makes me really upset. My question is, logistically, how does Jason maneuver them to where it looks like he's stabbing Winter and not Ryu? Well, for multiple things. One, 
The cameras are not off at this point, but mm-hmm. they are dark. The lights have already gone out. It's secluded, and they're pushed in a corner. Jason is a guard who's described as being in peak physical condition. So he probably blocks a good portion of Winter's body with his yeah. back being faced to the camera. We know that Ryu comes up right behind Winter because she can feel him nudging her. Mm-hmm. Ryu nudges her hand trying to get like a petting and stuff. Yeah. So my guess is that Ryu's head is about hip level to Winter. Mm-hmm. So when Jason stabs Ryu, it's like right in the neck. Ooh. In which case he would the the wolf would slump against the cage already in a sitting position. Mm-hmm. And it would die quickly, so quickly that it could only let out like a small whimper. You know, like if the wolf was suffering for a long period of time, it would be howling, it would be licking its wounds, it would be a very long, drawn out process. But we hear like one sad little yelp from yelp. Ryu, yeah. and then his whole body goes now. flat. Getting sad now. <laughs> yeah, it's very sad. I'm not very happy with this situation. No, but I think I think logistically, if we need an explanation, that would be that's how I, I picture yeah. this playing out. Yeah, mm-hmm. agreed. And I know I hate this scene because Ryu dies. And something my husband brought to my attention was that while while I would never sacrifice an animal like that, he doesn't doubt for a second that Ryu if if. If a situation arose, Ryu would easily die protecting Winter and possibly even Mm -hmm. Scarlet. And so in this scenario, Jason did the best he could, knowing that Ryu, in a sense, would be able to forgive him. But I Mm -hmm. still don't like it. I know. Agreed. Yeah, and that's anyone who has pets, a dog specifically, would, would agree. Like, our dogs would totally sacrifice themselves to protect our Family. I don't know about Rosie. Rosie, it would depend. Rosie tolerates us at best. I think Scamp would, but Beowulf is afraid of his own shadow, so I'm genuinely not sure he would do anything other than hide. No, that's what Teddy um, would do, because Teddy yeah. hid behind the couch when, like, there were kids who used to TP our house, and Rosie would go barking at them, and Teddy would go and hide behind the couch. Let me just say, I would be one of those old people. I'd go on the porch and say, hey, get out of my yard! Our, our, the pool guy showed up today to maintenance our pool. We had to get something fixed in our pool. And Teddy was barking at him today. He was today. barking? He was barking. Oh. So he will brag that you guys have a pool. Huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we're in Dallas. So I you know. Which means, <laughs> which means I'll probably get to see you guys in a couple of months because I assume you're going to the North Texas Teen Book Festival. There's a North Texas Teen Book Festival. <laughs> it's in Irving every year, which is right next to Dallas. Mama, write that down. North Texas. What is it called? North next- Texas Teen Book Festival. We just moved here last year, so we know. Oh, so you nothing. missed it. That yeah. is how I met Marissa. I drove to the one in 2019 and I met her. Okay, so I need to go now. I need to go, Mother. Yes. Need to go. And I will be there this year. So, really? so then we'll have to see if we see you there. <laughs> that's definitely right in our neck of the woods. Yeah. So, so the, the chapter ends with Winter falling down. And it's got to be just the worst thing for her because she's always mm. having these hallucinations that the walls are bleeding. Yes. The palace <laughs> is covered in blood. And when she falls down, she is in a pool of blood. 
And yeah. Jason, Jason doesn't have a lot of time to comfort her. He really doesn't. Mm-hmm. He immediately tells her it's all right. He tries to explain as quickly as he can. And then he said, don't move. Just play dead until Scarlet gets here. Okay. All I will say is for the line, play dead princess. I have very mixed feelings about it because mm-hmm. yes, like I think it works really well for their dynamic. And it's kind of like a, like a cute, like nod, like the game thing that we talked about earlier, but like if it was anyone else saying that it would feel so condescending. Cause that's like something you say to a dog. Like it's like a command, a trick play dead. And so like, if anyone, like, if anyone said that to me... Like, if he said it to Scarlet. Oh, no. That would be, like... I would be That's mad. something that'll get you slapped by Scarlet. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, like, it just... It's conflicted, because, like, the line itself, I'm not a big fan of, but the context it's used, and I think it's really cute. Agreed. And I think it applies to their relationship dynamic, because... Mm-hmm. They have that constant back and forth about being on Lavana's game board and being pawns yeah. in her game. Um, and then Lavana, or not Lavana, um, Winter, because of her affliction and her relationship with Jason, she often, you know, plays games. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is probably one of the only ways that he could convey to her yeah. how she needs to behave in the next few moments. And that's why I think it works for them. But again, if anyone else said that, I would be ready for slapping. But, but I, I mean, like, just... I, and also, like I said, like, this is the time where me, I'm like, why isn't Jason comforting her mm-hmm. and doing a better job of explaining what's going on? But again, this is the kind of thing where my husband reading this is like, there's no time for comfort and explaining things. We got to get the hell out of here. Oh, yeah. Comfort her later when she's alive. Exactly. I will say, though, if I were Winter, I would not be able to handle this. Like, as much as she... I can barely handle it as a reader. Exactly. Like, if I were Winter, I would be hyperventilating and crying and shaking, and there'd be no way anyone would believe I was dead, because you would see that. And it's just by a luck of the draw that her reaction is is she goes into a shock instead. Mm -hmm. Which is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, she she goes into a state of shock because I'm I'm with you, Alexis. I would have a hyperventilating attack right there. Uh huh. I probably would have had a seizure just from the stress Mm -hmm. of it all. And I think it's another testament to how well Jason knows Winter that he knows that she won't. Because if he didn't know how she would react, then this plan could have been foiled right then and there. Right. And so it is a testament to how well he knows her and how much he cares about her, that he knows how she reacts to stressful situations, that he was able to do this and know that she would be okay. So kudos to Jason. Well, he still killed a wolf. Yeah. Rest in peace for you. Rest in peace for you. Rest in peace for you. So that is um, where we end the chapter, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason tells her to play dead. Winter tries to convince herself that it's a game. And Jason leaves. He props her up against the cage wall. And mm-hmm. I like where it says then his warmth was gone. Yeah. Um, it's just a I think that's a it's it's one of those writing techniques, you know. It's mm-hmm. not saying and then he walked away. It's his warmth left her. She could hear the heaviness of his footprints or his boots. She could 
feel she could see his footprints as he left. It's not just Jason propped her and walked away. And it's also like, if you want to look at it less literally more like symbolically like jason is this very cold closed off person and he's like around winter he's different he's like this like warm sunshiny jason person and so as soon as he's like i mean not sunshine like you, you get what i'm saying he's happier he's more comfortable like they're in love and it's very clear to anyone watching and so like as soon as he leaves that kind of like person almost flips off and he's back to being that cold calculate not calculating but that cold hearted no I don't I'm not explaining it very well but that cold person that Scarlett described as like an icicle and whatnot right and so that could also be like another thing of that warmth leaving not only the warmth of his physically leaving but also emotionally his emotional warmth leaving right winter's Jason yeah has exited the building. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to look at it because I feel like, especially in times like this, there are two different people. I was just, side note, I was just talking to my husband about this when we had lunch today because mm-hmm. my husband is in the military and when we moved to Mississippi, his his job changed and he also got a promotion in rank and his stress levels and his job responsibilities went through the roof and it has been Hell for both of us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Christine, you're married. Yes. <laughs> when your partner is stressed out, you are stressed out. It comes home with them no matter how much they try not to. I will say, yes. I've had conversations with my husband before, and it's like your stress does not leave you. It then infects the entire family. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I was talking to him about it today because when we go home to Illinois and we visit our friends from high school and college, he's vacation, Quentin. Mm-hmm. So he's chill, he's relaxed, he's got a beer, they're playing games, they're joking, they're laughing. And I told him today, I said, sometimes I'm so jealous of them because they get to have so much fun with you. And I feel like I'm just there, you know, sometimes not that like my husband takes advantage of me or anything or takes me yeah. for granted, but they only have to, they only get to have fun with him. They never mm-hmm. have to go through the rough patches. And that's what marriage is. Like, that's what yeah. relationships are, is being there for the rough patches. But those are the different people. You know, at work, he's a master sergeant select. He has a lot of responsibilities. He's pretty high up on the totem pole. He has a lot of people that answer to him, that he's responsible for their actions, their behaviors, their jobs. And then he goes home and he's just cute. Just let's play pool and have a beer. Let's play this video game until two in the morning. Like, let's just have fun. Um, And so that's just one of those things where it's like Jason around winter. Yeah. He's a little bit more chill. He's sunshine. He nudges her. He jokes with her. He teases her. But Jason in guard mode, as she said, that's not her favorite Jason. Right. Exactly. And so I think that's a really good, like description of everything I was trying to say and kind of failing no but yeah you totally hit it though yeah you know that his warmth definitely left you know yes his body left the building but it was that person that he was Mm -hmm. when it was just the two of them together and it reminds Uh, me of our conversations at the shatter me series the difference between warner and aaron right 
it's the same person, but they're like two completely different people because of the environment and who you're around. Right. Which if you're... Listeners haven't listened or read Shatter Me series. I okay. haven't. Highly recommend Highly it. recommend it. <laughs> I adore that series. And we just finished our thing of episodes on that. And so it's a great series. It was really fun to talk about and analyze. Yes. Great series. Mm-hmm. I would say that I think both of you kind of hit the nail on the head because, uh, you know, as podcasters, I think people view us a certain way and people Mm -hmm. see us a certain way. And while I think we do our best, at least I do, right? Yeah. We do our best to stay authentic and genuine to ourselves. I mean, there's definitely things I say around my parents that are different than what I would say around my friends. It's different than what I say around coworkers. That's different than what I would say on this podcast. So we Mm -hmm. all have those different personas that we have to bring out depending on the situation. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of just human nature almost mm-hmm. because we have these different people who all have these different, not standards, but like things that they're okay with. Like, for example, like as a teenager, there's a lot of swearing around me. And so in friend groups, we oftentimes, in different groups, we go around and ask each other if we're okay with swearing. Because that's part of our natural vocabulary. And yes, it's something we say a lot. But if someone else is uncomfortable with it, we want to make sure to change that behavior than we would with someone else. And so we've kind of learned these habits to try to like know people's boundaries and know who we can be around them and how much of ourselves we can show around them based on their boundaries and our opinions of them. Exactly. And I think that, you know, I mean, again, with the podcast, you know, in the beginning, Becca and I, we're... Okay, well, I was in my 20s when we started the podcast, but we're we're grown women in our 30s. So we cuss. Mm-hmm. It happens. Yeah. I didn't realize how much it happened until I started the podcast, but it does happen. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I think like episode 10 where someone was like, hey, I'm 13. Could you maybe not say the B word so much? Mm-hmm. And that's when I started, you know, I, I add a little noise now. If someone curses, I go, whoop. I have a PG-13 rating, though. So, you know, it's kind of like friends, right? I can say certain words, but I can't say all of them. (laughs) Well, and I'll be honest, our podcast, I'm from the south side of Chicago. So I grew up swearing and cussing. (laughs) So I, I tend to have to watch myself more than, say, Alexis. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just one of those things like... I am a completely different person around my grandmother because if oh, yeah. I dropped a certain word, she'd be saying, you know, prayers beyond prayers for my soul. So I try to keep her from having to say too many prayers for me. But, but again, that's also why we, no matter what, we always label our episodes as explicit. Even if sometimes some episodes we don't swear, it's because a lot of times you want to be certain, like knowing people's level of, expectations for our podcast and they're comfortable like okay we we are called mother-daughter book talk and that seems like it's gonna be a lot like sweeter of a podcast than it really is because i'm (laughs) always we're very 
um, what's the word? Crass people sometimes. Yes. We we talk a lot about like book smut. We talk a lot about swearing. Well, not we don't talk about swearing, but we swear quite a bit. And so because we have that big expectation of being like a cute, happy podcast, we do label as explicit. And people know that like we're not gonna be these. We're not reading fairy tales. Yeah, and, right. You know, I'm not sitting here braiding Alexis's hair during our podcast. <laughs> yeah. So we're trying to make sure people know our boundaries. And we know that if someone's not comfortable with that, they have a big warning right away that it's not going to be this yeah. perfect thing that they would offend them. If otherwise, no warning. And, you know, you're kind of not that I know you guys personally, but your your dynamic reminds me a lot of me and the relationship that I have with my, my, my mom, with my birth mom, because I... I talk to her about that stuff a lot especially when I was younger but definitely now as an adult right Mm -hmm. and I I have you know I could never talk to my mother-in-law about anything for example she's the sweetest person in the world but she's also the sweetest person in the world like I don't even want to imagine her like I've never even heard her cuss yeah yeah you know she's she's the kind of person that uses non-cuss words as cuss words yes (laughs) yes yes (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> Whereas my mother, it's like every other word. So it's always been okay to, you know, speak my mind around her. And that's the thing is, I lost my mom when I was 10. So obviously, I didn't necessarily have that opportunity to have that relationship. And my dad never remarried. So I never had beyond the age of 10, a mother figure in my life. So I always just wanted to make sure my kids they felt comfortable talking to me in any situation and I never wanted them to feel like they had to censor themselves around me. So mm-hmm. my kids know that I'll take the good, the bad, the ugly. It's just an honor to be their mom. So just <laughs> you're such a cutie patootie. Yeah, I try until, you know, I'm screaming at them, pick up your shoes. <laughs> then they yeah, call me My mom would never get on this podcast. I've asked her, so many times I even told her I'm like we don't even have to, we we can do like a bonus episode for my Patreon. You can pick the movie. We can do Pride and Prejudice. We can do Notting Hill. Like I'm game for whatever. And she's like, no. Which the Kara Knightley <laughs> version is the best version in my opinion. That's the only Same. one I'll watch. That's the only okay. one. I do. I love the 1995 BBC. No, I think it's great. Yeah. But I would rather watch. The other one. Yeah. One, it's quicker. Two, the two actors have chemistry through the freaking roof. Three, yes. I think it does a much better job of portraying the characters in the book. But you can go to patreon.com slash princekyfanpod and listen to me talk about Pride and Prejudice for two and a half hours with one of my Patreon members when we did a Pride and Prejudice tangent episode. But I, I think that. that the Kira Knightley one does a much better job of separating the classes it's pretty clear in that one that they have less money right mm-hmm. i don't think that's clear in the uh, bbc version it's very clear that charlotte is desperate and will do anything that's not clear in the first one it's very clear that collins is kind of weird and quirky but it's not played as comic relief whereas in the bbc one he's kind of a caricature of a human being and not a real person mm-hmm. like there's just so many things that make the 2005 version the superior the version superior. and yes. you can at me if you want to <laughs> absolutely 
I'll have to get Alexis to read it and then to watch that version because I don't think she's. You know what? I would have her watch that version and then let that be the motivation to go read it. Yes. Yeah. I've always been the opposite. I've always wanted to read the books first. And you always used to do that. Like when you were reading Harry Potter, you said we had to read the books before we watched the movies. Yes. Because I wanted you to form your own visions. But this is such a good version that you have to watch the movie first. But that's just my tangent there. So <laughs> I, I will just say like, that's what got me. My mom bought me the Pride and Prejudice DVD for my birthday. And mm-hmm. I watched it with her. And I cried and I laughed and I smiled and I fell in love. And she was like, will you read the book now? And I'm like, yes, go get it. Yeah. So that's that's just what worked for me. I was like 15. Yeah. My mom was bad. I don't know how old you are, but. I'm 16. So we were about the same age then. Yeah. And my mom has been trying to get me to read that for years, but I just have like so many books on my list that I'm like. I don't know. I'll like, I'll see. And now that, you know like, what? There's probably a free audiobook of it somewhere if that helps. That will definitely help move it up on my list. But lately, I've been reading about a book a week for our podcast because I always, we both reread the book every week, even though we've read the books already, except for right. like, if we're doing new books. That doesn't happen. Well, but you we could both- do an episode on Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Yes. I would also volunteer for that one. Schedule. Yeah. Add that to the schedule for sure. (laughs) The mom is giving me a look right now. (laughs) So let's talk about your chapter titles for this one. Um, Yeah. Mama, you want to go first this time? I could. Um, I chose Crazy by Britney Spears. And one, because, you know, Scarlett does call her crazy. But two, it's also if you're reading the lyrics, you know, you drive me crazy. I just can't sleep. I'm so excited. I'm in too deep. And even in the chapter, it talks about she's up like half the night thinking about what Jason wants to talk to her about. And, you know, so I just thought that that fit perfectly with this chapter. Mm -hmm. It does. I, again, doing a Broadway song, I chose Kindergarten Boyfriend from the Heathers. Because, you know, it's just very much like going back. So Kindergarten Boyfriend is very much going back through this one adorable little childhood romance that is grown up and kind of ruined and destroyed. And in this book, it's again, this childhood romance that is quote unquote destroyed after Jason kills her, quote unquote. So I think it works really, really well. And if you listen to the lyrics, there's a lot of that same thing. And so I think it works really well. Very good. Agreed. So for this one, I picked Heart Shaped Wreckage, which is from the musical, uh, the TV show, which was like a musical TV show called Smash. Um, And it's beautiful. I absolutely love it. This particular one is sung by Catherine McPhee and Jeremy Jordan. And God, it's such a beautiful song. So beautiful. Somebody go watch that show. I just, I love that show. Someone needs to do a podcast about that show. I used to watch that show. Yeah. And she's, she's so talented too. Yeah, absolutely. And so this particular song is um, about two people that can't seem to find a way to stay together and the world is constantly pulling them apart. And 
I think that perfectly encapsulates Winter and Jason's relationship with each other, where there's always something. If it's not society, it's Lavana. If it's not Lavana, it's Amory. If it's not Amory, it's the rules of the palace or their own struggles and emotions or their own grievances, like Jason being so incredibly taciturn that he doesn't even know his own emotions. Like, there's just always something that's keeping this, keeping them apart. And I just want them to be happy. Just yeah. be happy. Books make it so hard. Being happy is not this hard. If right. you're young and worried about being in love, most of the time you don't have to deal with these kinds of challenges. If you do write a book about it. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Agreed. And so one of the lyrics that I absolutely love is, I'm not scared to tell the truth. I've been to hell and back and I went with you. I love that. Oh, Winter is, isn't scared. She tells him, I love you. I think I've always loved you. Mm -hmm. Another line, I can't find you in the dark. Will we get back to who we are? She's literally in the dark, y'all. He turned out the lights and he left her there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's perfect. I Yeah, that's a really good song. It's a beautiful song. It's a fantastic mm -hmm. show that everyone should go watch. Patreon members will get a chance to vote on that. It'll be like, they have like a month because this, this episode comes out January 17th, which means pay, Patreon members will get it January 15th. So they've got a long time to vote for, for which song they like. Yes. What was your quote for this one? Well, again, for me, like I said, mine was, do me a favor, princess, he whispered, his breath warm against her mouth. Next time someone says they're going to kill you, don't just let them. Oh, I love that quote. I decided not to choose that quote because I was going to choose that quote, but I was like, no, that's going to be too obvious of a choice. And so <laughs> I I chose another quote that really stuck out to me, which was, then I want you to get your redhead friend and get off this damn gang board. Mm -hmm. Yes. That was really good. I like that quote a lot. Absolutely. Not wanting her to be a pawn anymore. Mm -hmm. No. So my quote was, her disappointment over Jason not bringing her here to confess his love was more potent than the knowledge her stepmother wanted her dead. <laughs> I love that. That is winter priorities, girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like the Ronald Weasley. She really needs to get her priorities and straight. <laughs> Absolutely. But it, it's a, it perfectly encapsulates this particular scene because Jason is not worried about their emotions. He's worried about getting her the hell out of there. And she's like, yeah, well, I knew Lovata hated me, but what, what, what I really want to know is how do you feel? Um, so I just, I, I liked that quote because I think it, it covers the chapter pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So this week there were not any Easter eggs. I have gotten a few emails about this. We're getting to the end of the series. There is a collection of short stories we will read that Marissa wrote after the fact. We are running out of Easter eggs because the story is ending. So there aren't a lot of Easter eggs. Also, I do not pick obvious Easter eggs. At the end of this chapter, Jason says he's going to go get Scarlet. So I didn't put any Easter eggs in there about if Scarlet was going to show up later. Because, you know. Yeah. We're kind of led to believe that she's coming. Mm -hmm. However, if you do find an Easter egg and you're really upset that I didn't include it and I just broke your heart, email me. I will apologize. I will add it to my list. I will make it up to you. I promise. PrinceKaiFanPod at gmail.com. 
send me a message. I got you. Even if I don't think it's an Easter egg. Because, you know, half the time I think it's an Easter egg, Marissa was like, I didn't mean for that to happen. I mean, yeah, again, it goes back to books being like, these ways to see people's different perspectives. We all read the same thing, but we see it something differently. And so something you might think is an Easter egg is something I might not think is an Easter egg. Something someone else might think is an Easter egg. It's, But that's the beauty of reading. You get yeah. to see people differently and how their different perspectives change what we all read. And the discussion is mm-hmm. what really is is the great part. About and that's it. why I think we all started these because we want to share and talk and get to build these communities of wonderful people who all are coming together to share our love of the same thing. And that's what makes podcasts so great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's why I love like the Bookstagram community, the podcast community, because I've made so many friends that are other podcasters. Yeah. If I find a podcast about books at all, I message them. I'm like, hey, I'm Bethany. Here's what my podcast is about. Please be my friend. Yes. Yeah. You know, and I I think that when it comes to books and podcasts, it's pretty small group. Mm-hmm. So it, we might as well take care of each other. Yeah, that's right. And I will say when I saw your message come in, I was like, mom, mom, oh my God. <laughs> yes. There was lots of screaming. And so did you was... already know about my podcast before you started yours? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I... You should have messaged me. I would have helped you guys get set up and stuff. We just, I was like, I was like, this is an amazing podcast. It's like on a pedestal. They would never reach out to some puny. Oh, my gosh. I reach out to everyone. You are so cute. No, I want to be friends with everyone. Yeah. yeah and that's like what's so amazing about you you're so nice and like I love listening and I again I still need to get caught up I'm listening as much as I can but again you release so many episodes which are so wonderful I'm like I have so much to listen to I'm so excited but also I'm like where is my time school work <laughs> yeah, I, work. I, yeah I was saying a few weeks ago to my friend I was like if I could just pause time, I would have like a binge listen session to all of Prince Kai fan pod, just so then I can finally be caught up and get to listen on a regular basis and get to listen as soon as all the episodes come out, because it's just so much to catch up on having started and found you guys so late after you guys started. So like, I don't know why I'm saying you guys, but like after you started, it's just like... (laughs) I have to like catch up and I'm so like, I love it so much getting to act because it's like when you're reading a series, you're like, oh, I have so many books to read. But it's also like, as soon as you finish, you're gonna be so sad that it's over. So it's both a positive and a negative that I always have something to listen to. If it helps, I recently did a poll. Again, this is coming out in January, but (laughs) recently to December 7th. And it was whether or not we should go back to weekly episodes or stick with the bi-weekly episodes. And it was almost unanimous that we needed to do bi-weekly episodes because that's because it's too many episodes for people to keep up with, especially Patreon members who get two episodes a month. Yeah. So they have you know, the regular weekly episodes, but then they also get multiple bonus episodes, especially if I get bored and I make an extra one and just toss it up there because that does happen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I totally get that there's too many to listen to. I'm like a book and a half behind on the Twilight podcast I like because I just, Mm -hmm. there's certain ones I feel like I have to listen every week. Like Marissa's, I always listen because you never know when she's going to make a TLC announcement. Yeah. And I do not want to miss any of those, but everything else is like, I will get to it. Exactly. And plus, yeah. like, again, with all of school and all of, like, I have so many extracurricular activities. I have work. I have, like, listening to the audiobooks slash reading the books for my podcast that 
again, I just need to stop time and get like actual some like for fun reading done and to get some like all of my schoolwork caught up and fully done and studying yes. time and listening to podcasts. And needless to say, like our family is is crazy with discussions and we have discussed like what our superpowers would be if we could choose our own superpowers. Mm-hmm. And that is our option is to be able to pause time so we can have time to fully read and listen to things that we want to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are those people. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, I did, I just did, Two certifications, a licensure, a bachelor's yeah. degree, and a master's degree in three years mm-hmm. while working and doing the podcast. So believe yeah. me, I totally get it. Yeah. I hate that I don't read as much as I used to. I get so frustrated with the amount of stuff that I have to do on a daily basis. There are times when I'm sleeping for like three to four hours a night because that's all I have time for. So oh, yeah. I definitely feel you. And I will say, not to ruin your life. But it, it does get worse. It does get worse. Mm. Um, I just recommend figuring out the best time management that you can for yourself. And that's what I really worked on between like the COVID year, because that's what really got me is I had so many assignments that were overdue. So this year, I'm very proud to say that I've had zero missing assignments all year, which again sounds like a normal thing, like da da da, but like it was really difficult for me last year. To the point where, like, I was in tears almost every night. So, like, making this much progress and with time management and being able to manage my own immense amounts of homework and immense amount of tests and studying. Again, I've had a test every single day for the past two weeks, and I have midterms next week. So it's been intense and crazy. And so the fact that I haven't had a single missing assignment is a huge accomplishment for me myself, despite it not being like a huge thing for most other people. Well, no, I, it is a huge accomplishment, period. And I've I've definitely been there. There was a time, at one point I had uh, my job podcast internship and I was taking nine classes a semester. Mm-hmm. And there was one day I had to work for like four hours and then I went to my internship for like five and a half hours and mm-hmm. I came home and I basically had 20 minutes between coming home and I had to be in class and I was going to be in class from 530 to 930. Mm-hmm. And my dog, Beowulf, had not seen me all day since I left at six o'clock in the morning and it was like 445 at this point. And I got home, I got in the shower, I let them outside I go, I get dressed, I come outside to get to see if they want to come in, and Beowulf has his frisbee. Oh. And he wanted me to play frisbee, and I didn't have time. I had to go to class. Oh, the baby. So I had to tell him no, and he's a hound. Oh, he was baying, I'm sure. And it's the saddest noise you've ever heard and the saddest face. So my husband comes home, and I'm in class, and I am bawling my eyes out. And I'm hugging Beowulf as hard as I can. And Mm -hmm. he's like, what is wrong? And by the way, I am not cute. You know, in movies, TV shows, the girls have like one glistening tear and they're kind of adorable. I'm like a toddler. There is snot running down my face and I can't breathe and my cheeks are red. And I'm like, (laughs) like, it's horrible. So my husband comes home. I'm in class 
hugging our dog against his will, basically. And he's like, what happened? And I was like, I'm like the worst dog mom in the entire world. And I came with the Fris and Beowulf. And he's like, I all I caught was Frisbee and dog mom. You want me to go play with him? And I was like, yeah, can you play with him? Like I was a hot, 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 hot mess. And I'm in my 30s. Yeah. So if you're out there and you're a hot mess and you have trouble with time management and life feels overwhelming, you are not alone. Amen. The only difference Amen. is that I can have a margarita. But not that I encourage <laughs> no. drinking to deal with your problems, but it yeah. does help a little bit. A few more years and I can start doing that. Yes. Yeah. Not that I'm in Christine, I promise I am not encouraging your daughter to have like an alcohol problem. I, but <laughs> again, her older sister just turned 21. So I, yeah. I know if there was any encouragement of alcohol usage, it would be from her older sister. Yeah. So don't even worry about that. But <laughs> this one, I don't worry. I don't worry about her because she is like, the minute she even considered it, she'd turn around and have that guilt and be like, I considered drinking alcohol. I'm sorry. I'm such a bad person. Well, no, no like, I'm kind of like that too. Like, I can't lie because it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. My mom <laughs> and my dad both thought I was so overwhelmingly a goody two shoes. And like, they thought that was like, I was too much of a perfectionist. I was putting too much pressure on myself. They offered to pay me to get myself with attention because they thought maybe just breaking one rule, getting one punishment would, you know, help alleviate all that need to be perfect. And I refuse and I still have not taken that offer. And it's been years. Yes. And so, yeah, you don't have to worry about me, mama. No. Which yeah. is nice. Yeah, I, I'm the good kid for once. She's the good you have, kid. You have four kids, you said? Six? I do, yes. Four, four kids. kids. Four You've kids. got plenty of them that are going to be naughty. Don't you worry about well, that. <laughs> I will say she is definitely overcorrecting for her older sister. <laughs> And you know what, Alexis? I have a feeling you and I are very similar because I was like that when I was your age. Yeah. My mom likes to tell people the only time I got in trouble is because I was reading past my bedtime and my punishment was she took away my library card. Mom. Go ahead. You can share. Well, no. All I'm saying is, Mom, that's cruel to do and you better understand that. She would pry the books out of my hands because I would be rereading them too much. Because, like, for example, when I first read Wonder, I fell in love with it. And I read it cover to cover, cover to cover, over and over and over again to the point where she had to pry it out of my hands. And, and hide it. Yeah, and hide it and ground me from reading it. Yeah, yeah in, my, in my mom's defense, I really dug myself in a hole. So our mm. house was, like, on a street corner. And so my window was directly beneath the street light. Mm-hmm. So I could literally, and at the time I weighed like 80 pounds, so I could literally crawl into the frame of my window and read by the light that's under the street lamp, which I did for several years and no one knew. Oh, I did stuff like that, Mama. So my mom started working nights and it didn't occur to me that she might discover my hiding place if she came home at three o'clock and I was sitting in the window. Yeah. The window that is above the garage where the car goes. So <laughs> when she came up to my room and was like, hey, it's a school night. What the hell are you doing? I was like, I just, I was just reading my book. And at the time, I think it was the third Harry Potter book that I was reading. So it had just come out. 
And she was like, what made you think you could get away with this? And my dumb ass was like, I've been doing this for years. <laughs> the difference being Alexis is the one that's usually lecturing me for staying up till like four in the morning reading a book. And so I have no, I have no sway here. If I was like, Alexis, you need to go to bed. You can't be up reading. She'd be like, I learned it by watching you, mom. Come on. (laughs) My defense, when we were reading the Shadow Me series for the first time, you were getting through like two books a day. And mother, I did not have the ability to supply them that quickly. And so you needed to, one, sleep because you get cranky when you're tired. Yes. And two, you need to slow down. And you were like, you were reading so fast, we didn't have time to discuss the books. I was like, I want to talk to them about you. I want to talk with you about them. So like, but see, that's what the podcast is for. Now you guys can talk all you want. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. So, speaking of the podcast, will you guys take a minute and tell everybody about your podcast and where people can find you and where they can listen to episodes? Yeah, of course. So, again, we are a bookish podcast that we cover a book and episode, and we cover everything from the Lunar Chronicles to The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue to the Akotar series, hopefully in the future. So any real genre, any recommendations, you can let us know on our Instagram at motherdaughterbooktalk. You can email us, momdaughterbooktalk at gmail.com. And you can listen to us wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, Anchor FM, which is what we use to make the podcast. Anywhere you can find us. And yeah, that's basically it for our podcast. Yeah. And we have to say thank you, Bethany, for yes. having oh, us on today. I'm so it's happy been you guys could so come. So much fun. It was, and we loved having you on our podcast when we were. I will it. come back anytime, especially if it's Marissa. But. Yeah. So, yeah, we may be reaching out about Gilded again because, mm-hmm. you know, having ah, somebody. I can't who's... wait for you guys to read it. It's so good. I'm so excited. I've been waiting because I didn't want to read it before I would be reading it for the episode. So, I've had to force myself to not read it until I'd be taking notes on it. So, yeah. it's been so long and I'm so excited. Yes. Well, thank you both so much for being here. Listeners, you can check out a link to their. Uh, to their podcast in the posting for this episode and their Instagram page. Next time we are going to cover chapters 29 and 30 of Winter. Getting getting through this book, you guys. Um, <laughs> don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow on Instagram. You can check out the Patreon for a chance to be a guest on an episode with me, especially Check out the Patreon if you're missing the fact that we don't do weekly episodes anymore. There's like 40 bonus episodes on Patreon. So you can go have fun listening to those. It's only a dollar. And I think that's it. So until next time, keep reading, keep listening, and don't get glamored. Bye. 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 The audio clips you heard today are from Rebecca Solaire's performance of Winter by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guests were Alexis and Christine from Mother Daughter Book Talk Podcast. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art was created by Sunlit Tangles on Instagram. Thank you for listening.